Uh. It's a good day to be alive, man. I'm feeling excited today. I just I went to the gym today. I feel good. If you didn't go to the gym today, go to the gym. Get a pump. Feeling bad about yourself. You're sitting in the house. Oh, there's nothing to do. I can't go outside because of COVID, man. Fuck that. Go run some laps. Go push some weight if you chef. Sit some push-ups, man. Tell me you don't feel better after that, man. Anyway, <laughs> today on the podcast, we have uh, one of the hardest working, most talented producers I know, Natasha Sequera. Uh, Natasha is from India. We are going to talk a lot about India because I think that's a really cool place with a lot of good culture um, and really tremendous food. If you can't handle Indian food, God bless you. But this is going to be an interesting one, man, because she um, she's in a bit of a pickle right now, as we all are. Um, but I think you you guys are going to like this. I like this. She's one of the funniest people. Every time I talk to her, we, I learn something new about her that just blows my mind. And if you've known her as only a producer, I hope this gives you a window into, like, the awesome person she is. Um, Outside of the fact that she wants a bunch of ridiculous animals in a zoo. But that's besides the point. So without any further ado, let's get to it. Are you ready? Are you ready to try? In a holy man's you got to make your decisions. But don't wait too long. About like what was it? Two years ago, my family moved to Australia for a little bit. Yeah. So when I got to see them a year and a half later, my sister had an Australian accent. Like a thick one. Like a like thick a, one. Like a crocodile Dundee. Crikey, yes. that's not. Yes. <laughs> and I was. <laughs> she's she's just this teenager from, she, uh, from India uh, with a thick uh, Australian well, accent, and I was like, "What do you think you are?" But you want to foster there, yeah. <laughs> but even as I said it, <laughs> I sounded so fake. <laughs> I was like, never mind. It's not your fault. Accents are weird. Were you when you when you first came here? Were you like aware of your accent, and did you try to like cover it, or did it just over time it slowly started to go away? I've never been aware of what my accent sounds like prior to coming here, and now, and um, also because so even when I was in India, and um, every time I got drunk, according to my <laughs> friends, I had a British accent. <laughs> so which was so much worse. What the f- where did that come from? <laughs> I don't know. I that's that's the worst part. This British accent would come out and was it flawless? I would be I imagine it was flawless. I don't know. I'm sure it sounded like shit. But apparently I would also try to be the mom of the group while being British. So I'd be like, Oh, come here, stop, stop drinking. You can't have that much. Okay, you need to calm down. And obviously they would be dying. So you showed up as the drunk <laughs> British mom and everyone else is out of line. <laughs> <laughs> when you put it that way. Everyone else is just having a good time. You're the one who's drunk. Listen, oh my listen. god. I just imagine you there, you're missing a shoe. Everyone stop it everybody. We need to calm down and get back on the bus. Where's your shoe, Natasha? It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Don't back you know what? Fifteen lashes when we get home. I feel like it's a common punishment still. There there is still a video and every single one of my friends has it backed up to their hard drives. Oh but god, it has yes. to be good. Yes, it's basically me. <laughs> <laughs> drunk and stumbling <laughs> calming them down 
with a British accent. <laughs> oh my god! It appears the floor is moving. <laughs> what is this? What? <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? What the? F- oh, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> college girls night out and i went to an all-women's college so there's like mm-hmm. 25 of us in this bathroom apparently trying to take a selfie well <laughs> well that's I'm not co- a selfie that's us <laughs> <laughs> well i'm trying to like calm everybody down but you're and drunk I'm, and you're stumbling and I'm, drunk, and I'm stumbling and i'm like for some reason i have my friend around the waist and i'm like trying to like keep her from falling over and both of us are like falling over it was a great time i don't remember much of it <laughs> that that sounds fantastic. Oh. What a nice night. When I, when I tell you that I had some of my wildest nights in India way more than I ever had here, Dude, I, it's you, just the truth. The way you talk about India, right, in comparison to, like, America, it seems like a mythical place, right? So, like, in America, if you came outside and you saw a fucking elephant walking down the street, you'd be like, oh, my God, do we shoot it? <laughs> do we? Right? It'd be, no. It would be weird, right? But, like, just the way you talk about certain things in India and certain places you grew up, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool from a distance. <laughs> well, well, I do have to clarify. You don't randomly have, at least in my city, you don't randomly have elephants walking down the street. Yes. If it, it's, it's typically um, only at, like, Hindu temples mm-hmm. when they have, like, processions and stuff. And then the, the, um, the holy elephant is brought out to like bless people or bless a wedding and things like that that's when you see them but now if you go to like other states then yes like for example like i've been to states like um uh shoot where am i so so there was kerala and then there was mysore and these are all like tourist spots where you can ride elephants and camels and I forget what the other one was, but but yeah, you can ride them. Who wants to ride anything else other than a cam- like a camel or an elephant? Like I don't want to go to India than ride a horse. I feel like ah, <laughs> you missed out. <laughs> you do, and that's the thing. Like my first time on an elephant was the most uh, terrifying as well as the most amazing experience because first of all, you're like forty five feet in the air on this animal that can throw you off if he's not feeling it. Oh, yeah. But you're feeding him bananas, so he's chill. <laughs> so... <laughs> and it's super fascinating because you literally have a whole... You're, like, you know the bunches of bananas you buy at the grocery store? You give him one, and he swallows it, and he's, like, ready for the next one. Oh, so you're just consistently feeding him bananas. No, you don't consistently have to do it, but he appreciates it. So oh, yeah. it's, gets, it's like a he gets, uh, he gets all the bananas he wants, Chief. As long as I'm up there, yes. Oh yeah, you how many you want to stop and get a you want to get a Snickers? <laughs> Whatever it takes to, for you to not knock me off of this. But it's phenomenal though, and um, I don't know. I'm 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 I like on two sides of the fence here because while there is a lot of animal cruelty that happens. Um, in certain states, these are also people's livelihood, and yeah. there are some people who genuinely love and take care of these animals. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's, it's just finding the right it's, people. See, all that you just described, you would never see that in America without it ending up on some sort of news channel. That is true. Right? It's not like I can just go to Wyoming and be like, oh, elephant, his name <laughs> is Larry, and he does my tax. No, you, just, you don't. You don't. You don't see that here. And if you do, it's some weirdo, and you're like, oh, okay, that guy's starting a cult. Otherwise, <laughs> you know, why else would you buy an elephant? <laughs> there, there. And that's the thing. So, like, the whole time I was growing up in India, America was sounded like this mystical place of, of um, parties and co- fun in college. And I was like, oh, wow, that would be really cool. Fraternities. And I was like, oh, my yeah. gosh, I would love to go to college. And then I did. And it was just stressful and sleepless nights. And oh, no, it's I completely overhyped. Exhausted. I think I maybe went to three parties Yeah. while, I, I, while I've been here. Well, you also went to an all-girls school. So was it like an all-boys school next door? Or was it like, or y'all? So I went to a co-ed school all the way from kindergarten to high school. Wait, so were these like boarding schools or? No, no, no. These these were like regular. Oh, so it's like regular public schools. Yeah, like okay. I lived across the street from my high school. Oh, okay. So, and he, so what's different in India compared to here is here you have like pre-K in a separate school, then you have like middle school in a separate school and, and so on. Yeah. But there I spent 14 years going to the same building um, every day. Oh, word. Yeah, and I loved it because like I, oh. I grew up with these people. So, do you have like different teachers? Yeah, for sure. Like you have different teachers for every class. Okay. Um, and all of that fun stuff. Were there but, a lot of kids? Oh, absolutely. I think there was like over two thousand. You had two thousand classmates. No, no, no. My oh. classmates. Oh no, I was no. Like, Damn. <laughs> no, no, no. Per class, it was closer to like fifty, sixty. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, I meant like overall the whole school because it was run by the Patrician Brothers. Who? The Patrician Brothers. So it's like here it's run by, uh, like you have convents run by the nuns. Oh, There okay. it's run by the Patrician Brothers. Are they like uh, priests? Or are they just like super rich dudes who love Jesus in school? No, they're, they're brothers. I don't know how to put it. Uh, but basically, <laughs> it's <laughs> like, like the main campus was called St. Patrick's. Okay. Because, again, Patrician Brothers. So basically, like they, it started out in Ireland. And mm. then um, they expanded all over the world. Mm-hmm. And then my school was called St. Michael's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, so, this, so we had like two schools and a college. And then more recently, there's like a new board of Patrick schools that have come up. Okay. Um, so it's kind of like an all-encompassing just education here. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I went from that to an all-girls um, undergrad which was mm, very different. Also because it was a completely vegetarian campus. I've done that. Not it a, was hard. Not a strong move. I took nuggets anywhere. Bruh. <laughs> Our campus, when I was an undergrad, was super vegetarian. They actually went out to uh, like delivery companies. Mm-hmm. I think it was, they got, I think they got Domino's and Pizza Hut, and they were like, you can't deliver meat to this campus. What? But Papa John, see, we fucked with Papa John's. Papa <laughs> was like, "You want pepperoni? I don't give a fuck. Oh Get it right in there." <laughs> Damn. Look, they stopped me at the gate. Meet me at the other one. You <laughs> 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 Yeah, that was weird. But like, going to an all-girls school is that like your choice? That's something you wanted to do, or is that how? How did that come about? It was the only college in the city mm-hmm. that offered a. Um, a film program at the mm, undergrad level. Okay. 
and which is really sad. So basically, I started when I started out. Um, I didn't know that film was an option for me, mm-hmm. and just because it's like so, it's so barely spoken of in South India. Really, as mm-hmm. as a career for women. Uh-huh. So I always thought I was going to be a journalist. So I mm-hmm. actually took journalism classes. I worked with a local newspaper. Um, I used to write articles and things like that. But I I realized as I was. Uh, as I passed out of high school, that I didn't want to write nonfiction. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes. I, I wanted to write fiction. Yeah. Um, well, you can still work in the news. Uh, I mean, now, now yeah, it's you basically... Work Fox, <laughs> you, work, you work wherever the fuck you want. They don't care. <laughs> but, but I also wanted to be honest, so that that's what tripped me up. But anyway, so this was like the... It also came at a time where my family... Well, not all of my family. Mm-hmm. You're good. Um... My parents were very insistent that I did engineering because it was a stable career. Um, <laughs> film was not that big in South India, and they didn't want me coming home at 3 a.m. from a shoot and then like leaving again. But if you're doing engineering, you're coming home at 3 a.m. from work. <laughs> no, because like engineering is basically a 9-to-5 job. Really? Yeah, pretty uh, Well, again, I have to clarify because I know Michael talked about engineering um when he talked to you earlier and it's more like architectural engineering but what i was talking about was software engineering oh oh yeah oh okay yeah okay because my dad's a software engineer and like 70 percent of my family is and my grandmom's a doctor and everybody just went into like stable careers oh that just makes sense they just wanted oh that makes sense look let me tell you something right now we all been cowboys god damn it (laughs) we don't know nothing about that big city we've been cowboys you get a rope and you brand that cat (laughs) so what like what made you not want to basically have that stable life? Did you just want something different? Were you looking for something exciting? What, what, what was? It? Why didn't you just go? Oh, that makes sense. I've always been a storyteller, like whether it was lying to my parents to go out in the oh, middle of the night, Jesus <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> or or just literally just making up stories. Because like ever since I was in the fifth grade, uh-huh. I used to write short stories. Okay. So um, that's something I've always really liked to do, and also I I took. Um, computer science classes in like high school yeah. I, I did certify for like um, for coding softwares like C, C sharp and things like that mm-hmm. and I hated it like I couldn't fathom the idea of a desk job Yeah. because I could see how much it stressed my dad out but he did it for the stability of the family and like if you ask my dad till date he'll say he wants to be a fisherman like he's only thing he's ever wanted to do was live on a boat and fish that's and, a strong way to live. <laughs> and I did not want to, like, um, have that regret of, like, not telling stories, not working yeah. in, in a creative industry. And while I understood the, the need for stability and, mm-hmm. like, especially as a woman in India, ha- being able to, like, be um, self-supportive and financially independent, things like that, I knew I was going to be miserable. Oh, yeah. And I, I just couldn't do one or the other. So thankfully, uh, my grandmom and my uncle, who lives here in the U.S., um, stepped in and they were like, you know, you need to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Because, again, like they <clears throat> they came up at a time where they didn't, and in a situation where they didn't have the resources or the opportunity to do what they wanted. Yeah. And um, they were offering me this chance to. So when I got it, mm-hmm. I took it and ran with it. And like my my they were my parents were like still very hesitant because they were like this is a field no one knows about like we can't help you yeah because India is also in a lot of industries run by nepotism 
So it's like, depends on who's your dad. And in the film industry, I had nobody. Yeah. So. That's what somebody was telling me about, like, getting into Bollywood. It's like, you got to know a guy who knows two other guys who knows a guy who can give you half a yes. (laughs) And then you got to show up. (laughs) Exactly. And this is, when when you speak of Bollywood, Bollywood is North India. I'm in the South. Yeah. Like, good luck finding somebody. Oh, yeah, you were telling me that you guys don't, like, not not don't like each other, but it's just like, where are you from? (laughs) Ah, that's okay. (laughs) It's also because our sporting teams have, like, have a huge rivalry. So, (laughs) (laughs) which is not uncommon. Sports ruin everything. (laughs) But, But they bring people together if you're in the same city. If you're not, fuck that. It's the worst. Have you seen, like, the soccer hooligans in Europe? No. It's literally, like, it, I don't know if it's still big, but it used to be a time, like, in the 80s and 90s, right? Like, you'd be a fan of a soccer team, and it would be, you know, you'd be fans against me. Mm-hmm. And in America, we show up and we tailgate, so we'll grill, uh, we'll get drunk, and, you know, then pass out. Over there, <laughs> their version of tailgating was, we're going to show up and beat the fuck out of every other fan that's here, win, lose, or draw. And what? They, yes. It was a, it's, oh man, there was a documentary I saw, there was a documentary in a movie, one of them was about, I think it was like the Green Lantern Hooligans, I think it had Elijah Wood in it, and then I watched a documentary about it, yeah, it's, it's fucking huge, I don't know if it's huge anymore, but dudes would just get drunk and like beat up each other at their fucking Manchester United games, <laughs> so now like on my bucket list, I want to get in a fight in a bar oh, no. in, no. in England. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, No. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> because that's a terrible idea. Like, why Here's would you go thing. on vacation to get beat? Here's the thing. I would have a vacation, right? So I have a five-day vacation. We're leaving on the sixth day, right? Okay. For four and a half days, I'm I'm driving. I'm, I'm having a pint. <laughs> I'm having the fish and chips. You know, I'm lying to people. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, just, I'm just shack. I'm shack. That's who I am, right? That last day, right? I want a night flight. I want to leave at like 11.45. 9.30, I'm walking in the pub. Who's the team here? Liverpool. <laughs> Fuck Liverpool. <laughs> All right. We get in a fight. One loser drop. Full of police show up. We get on the plane. I'm out of there. Now, I might not be let, let back into the country, but, you know. Worth it. Oh, worth it. Worth it. It's not like I ever got to go pack. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if you really liked it, you wouldn't. Because, like, that's, that for me is, like, a big selling point. It's like, I love to travel. And I've had the opportunity to see quite a bit of yeah. Europe. And I would definitely always want to go back. Like, I was literally telling uh, Michael today, I was like, their healthcare system is sorted. They're, they're doing great. They literally pay you to have a family. Yeah. I would, I would, their weather is fantastic. <clears throat> I would go anytime. I would go if, I see, here's one thing. I wouldn't mind not being allowed back into, like, England. Because mm-hmm. I still have access to the other countries yeah. in the United Kingdom, right? Um, mostly because English food kind of sucks. Okay. Uh, not missing anything there. Fair. Um, I I probably would I wouldn't mind being kicked out of France, um, mm. but then it's France. I, they just let me back in. I just go in through Germany because <laughs> I don't want that problem. Or Switzerland. <laughs> no, I don't trust them. What? You got to pick a side, dude. <laughs> None of this neutrality shit. Well, I see your point, and I also see his. I'll have some chocolate right here. <laughs> <laughs> they do have the best chocolate. They have. They do. But it's weird because like when you get into like that. Switzerland, Austria, Germany, uh, what was the other one in there? Belgium area? Yeah. It's like, ah, we're <laughs> we're all the same, basically. Oh, yeah. That's... 
Because they're all happy. They have good chocolate. Are they happy? They don't, they don't have a lot to... Uh, are they happy? Uh, I mean, I know the French are a little more stuck up, but the Belgians are just eating their waffles and chilling. So. I feel like the Belgians are chill. They literally, oh my gosh, Belgium had me dying for like... Yeah. So they, they, they literally have like one of their biggest tourist spots is this statue called a mannequin piss. And it's literally this right. child pissing. And it's a fountain. Nice. And they have chocolates in the shape of it. They have everything of, in of the shape of it. A naked boy peeing. Yep. Okay. We. <laughs> well. Like I don't know. That's, this that's, was. <laughs> that's getting canceled pretty soon. <laughs> so this was like years ago. So yeah. I, I don't know what the that's status is That's getting canceled too. Now. But yeah, it's just called a mannequin piss. It's super simple. It's. I think I'd be more bummed if I got kicked out of like Japan than like England. Like, Japan seems way doper than England. No disrespect to England. You've given us... Uh, the queen. <laughs> for, I almost forgot well, the queen. I mean, I, I don't see how we would say, like, no disrespect to England. They literally colonized everybody. But not the Japanese. Fair. Fair We point. did that. Ah! Do you know how Japan got colonized? No. Ooh, it's extremely interesting, and it leads right into World War Two. Okay. So... Um, so Japan was this island, right? And it could, it was basically a feudalistic island up until like the 1800s, right? Like Mm -hmm. you still had like shoguns and samurais and different houses. So you really, you had a unified Japan under an emperor, but it was still uh, feudal. And America was like, we want to trade with you. And they were like, we don't want to trade. And America said, oh, we got boats and you don't. So we're just going to go shut down all these ports until you start trading with us. What? Yes. So then when they went, okay, what else we got to do? Well, get ready to change. So the first thing that went was the samurai class, right? This is a big deal. Like, you've seen The Last Samurai? Mm, no. With Tom Cruise? No. Crazy. Only in America could a white guy be the last one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Tom Cruise. I'm The Last Samurai. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but no, they were getting rid of... Um, so the samurai class was um, akin to like the knight class of like medieval Europe. Okay. So they were there to to, to defend shoguns, but like when you're modernizing, you don't need shoguns. We don't need we don't need them anymore, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, they killed a lot of people. So then after they were able to basically not expel America when they, America left, they were like never again, and they made it a point to become um, a manufacturing and technology hub, uh, to the point that by like World War Two, they're like. We need some more stuff. Oh my gosh! Okay, now now it's China. China's looking. China, they're looking over at China, like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, y'all got oil, don't you? <laughs> the pieces are all. Is that Korea over there? Smells good. Oh my god! <laughs> right? Yeah, crazy. Okay, now there's a lot more things making sense <laughs> in my head. I did not know that. But no, going back to the all girls school, I don't know how we got here. <laughs> I. Like, the idea of going to a school of, like, just the same gender as me is terrible. Mostly because dudes are horny fucks. So. <laughs> well, this is a school full of a lot of bitchy women. That so. see, like, there needs to be some kind of diffusion there. There needs to be, like, a change of pace. Like, go to your boyfriend. Get the fuck out of here. That's pretty much what it was. Because, like, we, like you said, um, there was an all-boys college relatively close by. And mm-hmm. there was, a, there was like, a almost abandoned mall in between. So, like, it had a few restaurants. But it wasn't, like, popping. Come on down to the old almost abandoned mall. That <laughs> Most of the shit's closed, but we got the old Arby's open. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I think, what was it? I think, 
um, there was like a little Chinese place, mm-hmm. and then there was like a, a McDonald's knockoff place. Um, I loved it. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So like they'd occasionally have like boyfriends come over and mm-hmm. stuff, and um, you, it was the, it was the place because like our undergrad was literally one building. Mm. It yeah, and that's why. So like the other day I visited Oglethorpe, and I was like, this is a campus. I felt so cheated. <laughs> and I was like, we went to two buildings and my undergrad was one, so I'm a little upset. Yeah, they're different. <laughs> oh my god. So what was the film program like? Was it just, so it was, obviously it's an all-girls school, so it was all girls in classes, but like for your projects, was it also all girls? Or could uh... you like, could John come over as well? <laughs> no, you could have actors come in, mm-hmm. but Again, like film is so small mm-hmm. in South India that uh, you're not gonna find a lot of people who are pursuing acting. Really? No. So like most of like the male actors I had in my projects were like engineering students and guys <laughs> training to be doctors. <laughs> and for them, it was like a cute side project to get their mind off saving the planet. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my god! So it, it felt super useless. I felt very. Um, I felt like I was doing something pointless because like a lot of people in my program were also kind of doing it to so here's the thing um, I know here going to college is a huge deal yeah there it's mandatory it's like excuse me it, it's mandatory like you if you want to get a good husband or a good wife you need to go to college and have at least hold on hold on hear me out wait what at <laughs> least <laughs> at least have a bachelor's degree because that's gonna get printed on your wedding certificate what, what's on, a, wait, your, what? on your wedding invitation, excuse me. Wait, so you... <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... <laughs> it's a wedding invitation, not a resume. It is. That's wait, the thing. Your, your nameplate on the outside of your door will have your degree. Your wait. wedding invitation will have your degree. This oh. that is how Indians perceive knowledge and and social status. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. So wait a minute. So if you don't have a degree, are you kind of like looked down upon? Oh, for sure. And like if, especially if you're a woman, then you're paying more dowry. Because you're essentially asking someone, you're paying someone to marry you, if you don't at least have a degree. But here's the here's the kicker: even if you have a degree, you're not allowed to work, at least in some communities, because you're taking care of your husband's family. So it's pointless, Whoa, but wait, it looks good. You're taking on, care of your husband's family. What does yes, that mean? It means that you basically so most Indian men never leave their parents' homes; they live there forever. And with so mom when, and dad? Yes. So when you move in with his mom and dad, your only job is to cook and clean for them and take care of their every need. Yes. So, but the 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 bachelor's degree looks good on your wedding invitation. So, there's that. Things are changing now. Hell, I, hell yeah. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say that. Things are changing slowly but surely just because of, like, the male-to-female ratio. Given, oh, yeah. Like, that- that got that got weird. Countries yeah. that countries that have an off ratio. Oh, you weren't thinking ahead, were you, Chief? No, but now it's working out in women's favor because. Oh, the, it has to. 
oh, now we have 300 guys to pick from. So, <laughs> next. What do you offer me, Steven? <laughs> <laughs> Steven, first of all. If someone named Steven shows up, that's a green card right there. Oh, but my God. <laughs> oh, my God. So, I was talking to Eric yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um, he was telling me about how it is in Puerto Rico, right? He was like... Um, you reach sort of this like ceiling of, of how much you can accomplish on the island before it's basically just like, oh, you have to go to America if you want to go higher. Mm-hmm. Is that sort of the thing? I feel like that's the deal there because film, like you said, is kind of like, oh, you do film. What's your real job? <laughs> basically. But my predicament, predicament was also that I am Anglo-Indian. So my first language is English, which is very hard for a lot of people to come to terms with. But why, I also wait, why is that hard to come to terms with? Because it's assumed that I just only know an Indian language as my basis. So oh. any time that I've like, as long as I've been here, spoken to people who don't already know me, I, I've been, I've got, I've had the question asked, like, you know, how long have you been here? And as soon as I say, oh, it's been like a year or whatever it was, they'd be like, oh, but you speak such good English, and I'm like, <sighs> nice to meet you too. It's my first language. Yeah. Um, excuse me. Um, but yeah, so it's like people don't consider the fact, or maybe they just don't know, that India was also colonized by the British. Everybody was made to learn English. And that was kind of like the one good thing the British gave the world was a common language. So we were able to kind of band together and overthrow them. Yes. So, um, yeah, so that... I went on a tangent. I don't remember what I was talking about initially. You're talking about coming to America. Uh, now I know why the sitcom was called that. But anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so it was um, interesting. So the reason I came here is also because while I am fluent in two other Indian languages, I don't have a grandfather in the film industry. Mm. I, I Even though I'm fluent, I am still... Um, I'm still an outsider because yeah. I'm not 100% South Indian. Mm. Like, I'm Anglo-Indian. And that is enough to, like, throw people off. Did that become, like, a thing? What do you mean? So, like, uh, you're Anglo-Indian, right? So you're, you're mixed. Yeah. Is that, like a, like, a stigma associated with that in some places? Yes. Because Anglo-Indians are known for being primarily drunk party animals, sadly. Mm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Do they also stumble and hold people's weight? <laughs> Shut up! They, they, hold up, it's all making sense. <laughs> In our downtime. So, but, like, it's 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 rare and un... Uh, it, it's rare for Anglo-Indians to make something of themselves, if you will. Mm. And I don't, I don't want that to be a blanket statement. It's just, uh, like, 90% of the community is known to do odd jobs. Yeah. Uh, not be engineers or doctors so when my family did um, go into those fields it was hard for them to break in mm-hmm. and then once they did it was hard to be taken seriously until a significant amount of time had passed yeah so to have me go back into the line of arts and entertainment was a huge step back and uh, a fear that like you know this this is all <laughs> I'll ever amount to um, which did was... <laughs> did someone ever just sit you down and be like, look, I know you don't want to do engineering, 
but dental school is pretty cool. Oh God, no! No one no. tried to get, no one tried to no. do the talk. <laughs> no, because like starting out, I did want to be a veterinarian, but I I cannot take the idea of an animal dying in my hands. Uh, I would lose my mind and shut down completely. So I will leave that to stronger people than I. So so yeah, so I knew that like you know in order to be taken seriously. Um, and just be able to move forward in my field. I needed to come here mm-hmm. to, um, yeah, to to just an environment where, first of all, female filmmakers weren't uh, looked down upon, yeah. and second of all, a place that I could thrive, uh, knowing full well that I was fluent in the language, and it was just also very div- I I visited SCAD before I actually enrolled, um, and. I saw that it was a very diverse community, and I was like, you know, I have a lot to learn from the people here. So, mm. yeah, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that is not wow. Um, it's so weird from my perspective, you know, listening to people like, oh, I want to come to America, right? It's probably because I've lived here too. Um, it's a weird place. It's a really weird place, right? Like that had to be like some hellacious culture shock when you got here, to to a certain degree. Uh, I, yes, to a certain degree, uh, because I have visited America in the past. Like I've been here in 2014, and then again in 2016. Um, I've been to Atlanta. I, I at the time, like while I was, I came in as a tourist. So while I was here, I I went to I came to Atlanta. I was in New York, Ohio, um, Hawaii. So I I had a healthy dose. Why the hell would you go to Ohio? Uh, my aunt's parents are from there. Alright. <laughs> They're Cleveland Browns fans. <laughs> so they've never been happy. Alright. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Alright, good times. But that was where I saw my first snow. And I loved it. And that's it. I was like, I want to go where the snow is. I changed so my mind now. to Atlanta. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it did, it did snow here like, what was it, like a year ago? It's, it's been random recently. That's crazy. But another thing I think is interesting about you, aside from the fact that every time we talk, it's, we always end up <laughs> somewhere ridiculous. You have done uh, a pretty cool amount of traveling, right? Yes. So talking to you about a lot of different issues, you can provide like a world view on things that I think most Americans can't comprehend. Because most Americans, they live in America. Yep. Right? Um, and we're also extremely arrogant. <laughs> Oh my God, I you know. Can, anywhere in the world you can find the American. He's usually the guy walking into a pub saying, who's the football team here wanting to fight? Also, uh, for some reason, they're all very proud of that they were driving on the wrong side of the road, but that's for another time. Here's the thing. You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. That's how you spot the American. That's exactly how. That's the first thing we'll get. We'll get in the car. What the fuck? You, drive, you guys drive on the wrong side. Here's the thing. We'll land in like Hong Kong, right? It's, it's literally fucking Chinese people, right? And we'll be like, you guys look funny. Like, oh, thank God Mark showed up. We were just, any other wisdom you have for us? The road, wrong side, got it. The metric system, is that bad? Oh we'll fucking change for you, dude. Only five billion of us. How could we be so wrong for so long? That definitely confused me. Because I remember the first time I went to a Waffle House. Um, and the check came. And I was asking Michael, I was like, what's the difference between cents, dimes, quarters, and pennies? Because mm-hmm. I could not for the life of me figure it out. Yeah. Because, uh, like, 
most of Indian money just have regular names. Like, it's just rupees. Yeah. That's it. And there's numbers on it. Baby girl, you're in America. <laughs> okay. We, we use cents and dimes and quarters. Why? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> ask, ask Hamilton. Oh, man. So when you, when you got here, right... What were your first impressions, like, as you made your way? Like, there's a difference between going somewhere as a tourist, right? Mm-hmm. And then, li- then like, living here, right? And your journey is kind of... When I, my home is fucking 12 hours away. If I want to, I can get in a car, right? And I can drive back and be like, what's up? If you want to go back, <laughs> you got to get on a flight to across an ocean. 15 hours each. No, that I I try to block it out like most of the time because when I start thinking about it, I, I get upset. And why do you get I, upset? Because it's it's so far away mm-hmm. and it's literally across oceans. It is two flights, four hours in between if I get a good um, transit. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so expensive. Mm. And I try to block that out because I'm like the more I think about how far away my family is how far I am from everything I've ever known it it weighs on me and I'm like I need to shut down that part of my mind because gonna, otherwise I'll just be otherwise I'll just be depressed for a good part of my day oh no <laughs> we're just gonna stop thinking where's the booze <laughs> So I, I try to focus on like my life here and mm-hmm. and try to like you know just just move forward because it's not like I'm unhappy. Yeah. I, I yes, the first quarter I was here I was miserable, but uh, was it things the waffle are, house? No. How did <laughs> it was just because, like you said, like coming mm-hmm. as a tourist was. I, I've spent a month here as a tourist before, and it was fantastic. Yeah. Because I knew I was going home. Yeah. Um, but when I f- spent my first quarter at SCAD. I think it also had something to do with the weather because, like in in India, it's like eternal sunshine, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then here it, it gets like cold and dark in the fall. Yeah. Which don't get me wrong, it's my favorite season because I love that it's like cold and dark, but like consistently. Um, so, so what would you like a day? Like, oh, this is fantastic. Now we can just can we just go back to being sunny and, and we'll be great. An overcast day is like my ideal weather. All the time. What? I'm okay with that. Because it's still bright, but there's still shade, so you're not getting burnt. So, you know. No. <laughs> no. I, not, no, I don't that's, like... That's Seattle. <laughs> but I guess that's where I'm moving next then. Cause the like, suicide I, right there is insane. It's because it's always dark and gloomy and fucking... Bella's looking for... What's his name? <laughs> Edward. Oh, Edward. Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> but, but, yeah. So, I... Um, yeah, so like, like I was saying, like my first quarter, everything was fine, but what I missed the most was the food. Because I bet. <sighs> Be real. It's Don't keep it to yourself. Like I, I bec- <laughs> Don't keep it to because yourself. Because I lived on campus, uh-huh. and I lived in a dorm that was basically, oh, first of all, I'd never shared a room with anybody growing up. So now suddenly I lived in a dorm. I was paying three grand for to live in a in a box size room with three beds five feet off the ground with two other people sharing one Whoa, bathroom. Whoa, it was yes. two other people in the same room? Yes. How big was the room? Was it? It was It was this plus the hallway and then a bathroom. No, plus plus like half the hallway and then the bathroom. 
And it was three girls in here. Yes. Oh Jesus. It was it was bad, especially for the money that we were paying for it. Yeah. And um, yeah, like it had no carpets. It was just cement flooring. And when that's all you need, though. Yeah. But that's that's what bothered me most. Like when they advertised it, it was glamorous. Oh yeah. And I was like, worth it. And then I showed up, and it was miserable. Uh, anyway. Oh, also, like when we were moving out, like a year later, we found out that there was mold, and like my one of my roommates, a, a foam mattress, mm-hmm. the the underside of it was covered in mold. It was horrible. Oh my she god. She got a refund. Thank God. Um, Holy shit. Yes, it was bad. So. The second, the second my aunt and uncle dropped me off and the car pulled away, I just sat down in the bed and sobbed because it wasn't until then that it hit me yeah. that this was real, this was happening, and I had nobody I knew in my vicinity. Um, yeah, so eventually, of course, I made, I made friends, I met Michael, uh-huh. and everything was good. And then we had a Diwali party at Skad. A what party? Diwali. It's a. It's a. It's an Indian festival, and it's huge. Ooh, sounds lit. Literally, because it was all. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the festival of lights. So. <laughs> so um, yeah. So like I remember, we came back that night from the party, mm-hmm. and I was explaining to Michael what the festival is all about and how big it is in India. And I midway through my sentence, I start bawling. <sighs> And he has no idea what to do. So, and at this time, we were just friends. Like, we weren't dating. He, he was dating someone else. Oh, my God. So, he's like, I, I don't know. Should I hug you, comfort you? I, this is weird. Uh, but he did. He, he was very, he that was very is, sweet about it. That's legitimately one of my fears. I don't like crying people. <laughs> I especially don't like crying men, right? So, when a girl's crying, it's, it makes sense, right? You're like, oh, she's crying. Do a handshake, right? You want to... <laughs> But when a dude is crying, it's dudes are ugly, man. <laughs> when men cry, it's the ugliest shit, and it's kind of like I understand you're sad, but goddamn it, pull it together. <laughs> oh, no. I have no idea how to handle crying people. I don't know how to handle crying people, and I don't like giving hugs. Hugs creep me out. I never used to be a hugger. Like the first time, I think um, again, Indian society, you don't hug. You wave politely and walk away. So, Word. So y'all don't do the two, the kiss and the cheek thing. The Anglo Indians do, and that's within the family. Okay. So it's, if if like I'm greeting like my grandmother or something, then yes, but not if I just met you and I went to class with you. So. So what happens if like you hug somebody? I, you have to know them really, really well. Otherwise, it's just weird. Like, like we don't do that. It's. Oh it's awkward. God. Yeah, so like the first time Michael was saying goodbye to me, he like stepped in for a hug and I was like, whoa. What the fuck? Back up there, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it. He was going to kidnap me. (laughs) (laughs) He was so nice. He was. (laughs) It was super funny because like I got used to it after a while. Mm -hmm. And then um, Mike's roommate, Chad, who was Korean, Mm -hmm. uh, at one point in time, I think I was like leaving. No, wait. We had just, like, come back from a night out or something. Mm-hmm. So I, like, stepped forward to hug him goodbye. And he stepped back and he was like, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't do that. And he's like, I, I know it's weird, but, like, yeah. no, I'm, I'm not comfortable. Then I was like, I completely understand. Like, I was Dude. right where you are a month ago. So, like, at the end of that quarter, when we were leaving to go home for the break, he stepped forward and hugged me. And I was like, oh, you've come so far, little one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. When I was a kid... Um, when we would go to church, there would be this section in church when, like, right before the service starts, 
and they'd be like, get up and go greet your neighbor, right? Hated it. <laughs> because when I was a kid and I would get hugged, I would just be enveloped by an adult that I may or may not have been comfortable with. And in the winter was the worst because they'd still have their jackets on. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, if he picks me up and go, I got, no, I got nothing. My legs are dangling. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's definitely one of the weirdest things I found about church here is they ask you to, like, get to know people around you. Isn't that, wait. <laughs> Isn't that the point of church? What do you mean? Isn't that the, aren't we supposed to come together as brother and sister in Christ? <laughs> Over food, later. Like, I don't need to shake your hand Oh, so wait, that. we ain't got to talk during the service. Well, no. Wait, but, no, but you guys are Catholic, right? Yes. Y'all got it figured out. How so? Y'all got, look, mass is an hour, dog. Yes. We are in, <laughs> we are out, yay, they, nay, we are done. <laughs> Bro, that is true. Bro, I, I remember because it's like so. Black people church is a completely different experience, mm-hmm. right? Um, first off, it should start at eleven mm-hmm. if we're lucky, but more than likely like eleven forty-five. Right? Uh- <laughs> then, like, it's a very cathartic thing. So people come for the music, they're singing, they're dancing. Someone will inevitably catch the Holy Spirit and start running. <laughs> They'll start screaming. Everyone's like, yes. <laughs> Right, and then like if you, oh my god, then the guest pastor comes in, so he know he can go all day, and he's just like, oh, and no. like bro, four, four and a half hours later. What? I shit you. This is a weekly thing, right? Who's got that kind of time? Okay. Mm-hmm. Four and a half hours later, you're leaving, right? And this is what would piss me off. We've been in this room for four and a half hours. Why can't we just leave? Why we gotta shake hands on the way out? Why can't we just? I used to genuinely be mad as a kid because it didn't. Nothing made sense. Nothing made sense. So when I found out that Catholic Church was an hour, I went to my mom and like, did you know about this? Did you? Why are we doing this? No, that, that okay. That's definitely. I'll, I'll give. I'll give them that. It's one hour. And the thing is, like, mm, well, I've got, I... Then you guys get to have wine and get crackers. It's pretty cool. Well, I mean, yeah, in mass, but yeah. not after. But I, I loved, and I, I say this with all my heart, I loved my church um, because it was a very tight community in that we all, most of the people, like, I went to church with, I grew up with, like, mm-hmm. the families, the kids, everything. And then once a year, we would have this thing called the... Um, the BCC retreat. So mm-hmm. BCC, first of all, stands for Basic Christian Community. Mm-hmm. And it would encompass a bunch of families living in a particular area. Okay. So it's easier for people to like, you know, meet up for like uh, Bible studies and things like that. Mm-hmm. Once a year, we would have a, a retreat where the entire community in that particular BCC would go on a trip to like a, to like a beach house or a lake house or something like that and spend a weekend just chilling together um, like cookouts yeah. and swimming and like and like every evening we would have like a oh, I forget what it's called but like a a Bible karaoke session so like you get gather up all the kids and everyone's singing Bible songs and oh, okay. it, it, it was so much fun sounds amazing I loved it and like as I grew older and I I I passed the age of Sunday school then I went back to volunteer mm-hmm. for um, vacation Bible school which was like the summer school. And it was just like a very wholesome community. And then uh, we, w- we would have like um, a food mela, which is basically like people would cook stuff and bring mm-hmm. it and sell it for charity and things like that. And then I got here and then it's like, welcome, shake hands first thing in the morning. Okay, afterwards there's donuts and coffee. See you next week. Did you remember to put your donation in oh, the box? Brilliant. Alrighty. Brilliant. Fantastic. <laughs> 
it just felt a lot more um, constricted. Not as intimate. Not as intimate. You feel like you didn't know your neighbor. Exactly. That is exactly how I want it. I don't give a fuck about what you got going on. Kickoff is in 20 minutes. The best service I ever went to was in Brooklyn, right? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, my God. It was fantastic because they did everything as an intertwining event, right? So as they're giving the announcements, they're handing out things for offering. Then, like, while they're, like, right as Lady's done, the choir comes up. They sing three songs. Pastor, he's like, well, look, let me tell you something. I got 40 grand on the Yankees today. It's going to be quick. Uh, Jesus uh, loves you. The end. <laughs> and then he was out. I looked at mom like, can we fucking live here? That was great. <laughs> that Damn. was great. Damn. Oh, because church, I, was, I don't know. Does a kid, I always felt, church always felt a little weird to me, right? Mm-hmm. Because, so, um, we were Seventh-day Adventists. So, Seventh-day Adventism is basically diet Judaism. So, it's like, no pork, you don't work on the Sabbath, right? Um... A lot of rules. A lot of people in there are vegetarians, and I'm, that's probably why a lot of them are angry. Wait, so what does that make you now? Because I think you do all of that, right? I, I'm just Brandon now. Okay. <laughs> but I grew, so that's how I grew up, right? Okay. So, like, um, one of the things about it, like, going to church on Saturday, right? Because as a kid in America, right? Like, Saturday is like, that's your day, right? Mm-hmm. There's no school. You can go and do your chores on Sunday. And, like, we, we, we'd wake up... <laughs> And we'd see all my friends outside playing baseball and basketball. I'm like, can we go play with them? They're going to hell. I'm like, God, why does hell look so fun? <laughs> Damn it. I, I think it's cute that you had the idea of there being a day for you. My entire life until I was until I moved here was run by my parents. It's it's I learned very quickly that no, maybe actually no. I learned late that when I whenever I asked my mom, "Can I do this?" her reflex was to say no. Of course it was. So eventually, I had to be like, "I'm doing this," and she'd be like, "Oh, okay." That worked for you. Apparently, only when I, only after I was like twenty, since since I was twenty, and even then, it was subjective to her mood. So you've ever had those times where you like you know your parents in a bad mood, and you just kind of like wait until they're in a better mood to ask them for stuff. No. That was my. No, oh no, no point. There's no point. Here's <laughs> so <laughs> when we were growing, I was me and my brother, right? My brother is the worst liar on God's green earth. <laughs> like he's one of those guys. I don't even think he means to lie. I think that's that's actually not an overstatement. He's just somebody who says yes without thinking about it. Okay. So we, I'd be like, hey, did you talk to mom and dad about going over here? Yeah. <laughs> Get on our bikes, we go there. Come back. Both parents pissed. I'm like, you talk to him. He goes, oh no, but what do you mean, butt ass? <laughs> So like, as early on, I was like, "Look, I just got to talk to Sharif. <laughs> we gotta get the scoop, right?" And like, it, it got to the point to where um, when I got to college, right? So the reason, so I wanted to stay in Kansas and go to school, but my mom she pulls me aside and she goes, "Brandon, if you stay in Kansas, I'm I'm afraid you're gonna be a, a hooligan in the center." And I'm like, "Sharif, I'm already there. <laughs> you can't lose me." And at the time, it's not like I was like doing drugs or anything, but like. I wasn't going like so when I got my first car, that's when I was like, Oh, church is an option. So <laughs> So my mom would obviously leave and catch the whole service. My thing was I liked the sermon, so I would try to time it just right. And sometimes <laughs> How do you time something with black church if you were saying that? Like, I'll tell you how. Okay. I'll tell you how, right? So you wake up and you're like, Is today special? So is it like gonna be like a special thing at church? No. Is there a guest speaker? No. Cool. If I wake up at ten forty five Right, I know church isn't gonna start at least 
until 1135. Mm -hmm. If I can be out of the house by 1230 or 1, I can catch the sermon. Damn. Um, but sometimes I'd wake up at two. <laughs> oh God. Right. And she was really, she's really worried about that. Cause another thing, um, I think my mom was worried about was, um, I was extremely independent mm -hmm. and, um, I, I wouldn't do stupid things with the group. Right. Cause I, I was, my thing was like, if I'm going to do something stupid, I'd rather just affect me than mm -hmm. everybody. Um, and then I'd come and tell you the truth about it. The problem is when I would do stupid things, they'd be very, very, very stupid. So, uh, <laughs> my leg was broke my junior year of high school, and the doctor cleared me to drive for some reason. So, I wasn't going to school. I really couldn't see any of my friends. You can only play basketball. You can only play, like, games so much and read so many books before you need some excitement. So, what my thing was, I used to love taking my car down this dirt road and fishtailing because it was exciting. It was fun. I don't know what that is. Um, and then one day I kind of lost control and I, it rolled. It was, it was terrible. Um, it was terrible for two reasons. Cause after I survived and like, I didn't know it was an issue until I saw the road in my driver's side window and I was like, Oh, that shouldn't be there. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Did you break anything else? Fuck no. Oh, <laughs> Just the what? car. Just the car. I was that actually, is a miracle. It was really lucky because when I rolled, I went to a ditch and I hit a tree, which stopped me from rolling into a field. Uh, and I got out, pulled my crutches out. <laughs> and the first thing I was like, how do I lie about this? And it's like, there's no lying. I just called my dad. I was like, hey, what you doing, Jerry? Uh, oh, no. You might want to take a seat, cop squat chief. Uh, the car, yeah, rolled it. <laughs> I'm over here on 61st. <laughs> right? It was, it was, oh, man. I think that's where all my problems come from because I hit my head really hard in the mirror. Like, I had a welt on my head. So my dad comes. <laughs> He looks at the car, he looks at me, he looks at the car and goes, boy, do you got a death wish? And I go, I just want to have some fun, man. <laughs> well, then, like, he takes me home, we drive the car home, and then, like, I don't know why, I started crying like a bitch. <laughs> I just started weeping, I don't know why. Um, and then he go, and then he does the dad thing, he takes me down the road, and he goes, oh, you almost lost it there, you almost lost it there. Oh, there you went, you lost it over there, asshole, what'd you learn? I was like, oh, don't be stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I can see you doing that as a dad, though. Because here's the thing, my I realized early on, like I, when we were talking about the other day, Dad's the only one in the house. It's okay to gaslight. <laughs> it's oh, it's totally okay to gaslight Dad. You come home, there's a hole in the wall, and especially during quarantine, everyone's home, right? Dad comes home from his job. He works at a fucking steel mill. He's like, who put the hole there? Whole family. Oh my god. Mom, what's that? Mom's mom's the thing. Moms and their children can can coordinate against dad. Like mom will be like, just don't tell your father this happened, right? Oh and then god. everyone's just like, oh my god. And then touching it, how? What is this? Called? A wall? <laughs> can we get another one? <laughs> so I realized that if I just told my dad the truth, he would he'd be mad. But at least he'd be mad at the thing rather yeah. than the thing plus the lie. Because then he's like. What else is going on in the house? <laughs> that is true. It, maybe it's haunted. Oh my God. There's one point I thought my house was haunted. My, I woke up one morning. No, not, it was an afternoon and there was a hole in our, uh, like the glass, uh, our bedroom window. My brother said he didn't know what happened. I genuinely didn't know how it happened. And my dad was, he, my mom, he was, he 
was going crazy. <laughs> he, we, he had a whole family meeting. He was like, who is... <laughs> he broke it down like a detective. Who is in the house between 4, 425 oh and 450? Because I went to the quick trip. Window was fine. I looked in. They're both sleeping. Window's broken. Jarrell's awake. And Sheree's awake. Who did this? <laughs> and at that point, I'm like, man... Maybe the house is haunted. Can we find a Navajo medicine man? But then I'm like, where do you even find a Navajo medicine man? In Kansas. Maybe. I wouldn't even know where to start, bro. That's weird, man. I wonder I wonder if this is going to be something that comes up in a family gathering like 20 years from now. Remember that window? Yeah, oh, it, it still comes me. up and everyone denies it. For now. No, no. It pisses me off. Cause... <laughs> so when I tell you my brother's a bad liar. <laughs> One time, um, so um, we were lucky when we were kids. We had, like, a lot of um, youth-centered pastors, right? So mm-hmm. one of the pastors, he had a teenage – he had two teenage daughters who were about our age. So his, like, house on a Saturday night was the hangout spot. So, like, after Sabbath, we could all go there. And there definitely weren't any booze at all. Oh. Yeah, it sucked. So my brother just assumed – so my dad's thing was he made sure that we were home by a certain point in time, right? So we kind of live out in the country of Kansas, um, and to get to where we live, you have to go through a place called Bel Air. And Bel Air has some very, very questionable police officers. Is the Bel Air that you're speaking of the same as Fresh Prince of Bel Air? I wish, but no. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. So my dad's thing was always like, hey, be home. Uh, I think on the weekends, it was uh, 1 in the morning. And on weeknights, maybe 12. Mm-hmm. Right? My brother was like, oh, we're at the pastor's house, so we can come home whenever. Um, but rather than asking our dad if we could go... He was like, well, just wait till nine and he'll be asleep and then we'll sneak out. All right. So we can hear my dad snore because my dad snores really loud. So my brother goes upstairs and he says, "Okay, he's asleep. Right. And as we're walking out, we get in the car and I'm like, are you sure he was asleep? And he goes, yeah, drive (laughs) off, go to the pastor's house, have a great time, pull up to the crib like three o'clock and the light is on in the (gasps) living room. We walk in and my dad goes. I saw you guys drive off. And I look at Drill and I go, do you know what a sleep means? <laughs> do you know what it means, Chief? Wait, was this at a point where there were cell phones? Because I'm impressed that he did not call you and blow up your phone until he came back home. Here's the thing. So he knew. This was funny. My mom had told him the pastor was doing this. So he already assumed. He was just like waiting for us to go ask him so we could go. Right. So, like, it's, he knew we weren't, like, out doing drugs or anything. So, like, he was just like, okay, I just need them to know that I know that you guys fucked up. <laughs> and the thing about it is my brother, he can never just take the L. <laughs> right? We've been caught just, okay. First thing out of his mouth, we were at the pastor's house. We shouldn't get in trouble. Jarrell, shut up. You know what? Give me the keys. All right, cool. We just lost the car. We're fine. You know what? It's not fair. Everything sucks. Oh. Well, guess what? You can ride the bus for a month. God. Fuck. <laughs> Oh, fun times, fun times. <laughs> I, have, I think I've only ever snuck out of the house once. It was and exciting, wasn't it? It was so exciting, more so because the stakes were higher. I had a dog. I okay. So we lived in an apartment. So mm. if this dog and he and the dog specifically slept on my bed in my room. So was if, it one of those tiny yappy kind of dogs? Uh, not really. He he was like a. Well, he's a palm cross. Okay, so he's, so, a, so he's a snitch by nature. Yeah. Pomeranians can't keep it to themselves. <laughs> he's, he's pretty chill. Also because like I had the AC on and the fan running, so he was passed out. He oh, was cool. Okay. So I had to like slip out of the house, 
lock the unlock the so here uh you only have a front door mm-hmm. in india we're uber cautious so we have a front door that's fort knox and then a grill in front of it so i had to unlock six bolts and then the grill and lock it back up behind me and leave and then come <laughs> back and unlock all of it again what and the f- you couldn't just crack a window <laughs> no because i lived on like the um so, okay so here's another thing like the ground floor, yeah, we call it the ground floor, not the first floor. Mm-hmm. So anything above that is the first, second, and third floor. Okay. So I lived on the first floor, and I couldn't climb off the balcony. <laughs> I, I had to leave to the front door. Okay. So I did. And then I came back in the morning, um, and then I was... I knew my mom would usually wake up like around 6, 6.30 in the morning, so I knew I had to be home before that. Mm-hmm. And I was. Um I was like, oh, I'll just leave the front grill unlocked mm-hmm. because it was going to make too much noise. Because, like, you know, you have, like, seven keys on a chain and you're trying to, like, un- like lock it. <laughs> and the dog freaks out, all that. I didn't want to do it. Everyone's home. Oh, my God. Pretty much. So I just left it unlocked. I locked the door. Mm-hmm. I went to bed. And then um, I think, like, an hour later, my mom comes into my room and she's like, good morning. Did you sleep well? I was like. Yeah, good morning, it's still early. She's like, good, wake up, the door was open, what did you do? Did you go out last night? And I was like, what the fuck, what just happened? <laughs> she was like, I have French windows in my bedroom, so she's like flinging open, oh my God. streaming light in, and I was like, not ready for oh. this. But it's okay, I got away with that one. I feel so bad for my mom, right? So my mom, it was she lived in a house of all dudes. So it was mm-hmm. me and my two brothers. I felt so bad for that woman. Because it comes a point... And, like, when you're raising a boy, right? Like, my heart goes up to single mothers, right? Mm. When you're raising boys where you can slap them, right? But unless you got a brick, you're not going to get your point across, right? <laughs> so it was, like, this distinct point. I remember when I turned, like, 15 or 16 where she had just accepted. Like, she's like, look, well, <laughs> Trell's out of the house. <laughs> he's, he's, he, so he was dating the girl he's married with at the time. So she's like, okay, that's covered. Married a good Christian woman. <laughs> But I was like this wild, I was this wild card, right? And I remember like my first year of school, she was just like, whatever happens, happens. Just don't, just don't kill anybody, Brandon, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I, I feel like, like I was that wild card for my mom mm-hmm. because like I grew up in a very strict Catholic household. Were you the youngest? No, I'm the eldest. That, okay. That's so why. Here's the thing. My sister took over and she's definitely the wilder one. And we, we've had our moments. And the thing is, like, I, I, because I grew up in such a strict environment, I learned early on to, to manufacture the truth <laughs> to, to get what I needed, especially when I got to college. Oh, my. Um, what does it mean to, fabricate. Ma- to manufacture the truth? <laughs> Basically, build build an. That sounds like a fancy word for lie. <laughs> See why I'm a storyteller. <laughs> we don't lie here. We manufacture the truth. <laughs> we add some additives, some preservatives, keep it to keep it true longer. <laughs> Basically, I. Oh my gosh, um, I, my my wild streak only started in my second year of undergrad mm-hmm. because I was so tired and sick of like all the rules. Like I w- I was what was it, 19 or 20, before I was allowed to use Facebook. And Seems like a strong move. Yeah, but I'm like, like I had a cell phone since I got to, well, well when I was in high school for a little bit, because I was also a basketball player. 
So I had what? <laughs> Bro, this is what I'm talking about. What the? F- this is exactly what I'm talking. Last time we were talking, I learned about Hindu extremists. Now you're a basketball player. What the? Fuck? Yes, I was. Were you, a- were you good? Yes, I was a zona level basketball player. Uh, I played for my school. What position uh, did you play? Point guard. What the fuck? How long did you play for? Uh, four years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every time, I swear to God. Why did you stop? Um, I had an appendicitis surgery, so and it took you got me- less weight. Keep playing. <laughs> Yeah, but it took me out of like summer practice for a while. I bet. And did it I, did it like explode or? It was it was close to, um, it was right before my public exams and. Um, was it the stress? No, it, it it's just like a very random thing because like it's a useless organ that just kind of like fucks up now and then. <laughs> so. <laughs> so um, when when it when it started hurting, I wanted like I didn't know what it was at the time because I was in the eighth grade. Yeah. Um. I, I did like I got some scans done and stuff and then the doctors were like you should remove it and then I was like okay but can I wait till after my exams yeah and they were like well you should probably get it out in case it bursts because if it bursts then you're in trouble and thank God I got it out at the time that I did because it was like a day away from bursting mm-hmm. and like even while taking it out if so you, you the appendicitis is basically like it's the size of your nail mm-hmm. mine was the size of like my index finger. That's how big your appendix was? Yes. So the, a normal appendix is the size of a nail. Mine was inflamed. So even while taking it out, it touched the uh, the like the surface of my stomach lining, so the entire area turned blue. Oh. Yeah. And they put it was so weird because I woke up from surgery and it was in a jar by my bed. And I was like, take it away. I don't need it. <laughs> in case you want a souvenir. <laughs> this was inside of you. Uh, but yeah, like I, I did play for a little while after that in my high school years, but um, I've, yeah, I just kind of like stopped because um, I also ran track for a mm-hmm. little bit. But um, yeah, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I think it's important that people have I think it's important that people have wild streaks. I think you got to you got to figure a thing. Cause a, <laughs> so I knew I wasn't I knew I wasn't going to be in church for long. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, not a kid, I was like 14 or 15, my church brought in this guy to talk to us about sex. It was fantastic. Um, and he was the whole, I don't know how they do it in India, but he was the whole, like, if you have sex, you're going to die immediately kind of dude. And then we had lunch. So he was given this seminar, he was, it was a seminar, and he was giving it to anyone, I think the ages was like 12 to 30, right? 12 uh, to 30? Yes. Um... <laughs> Just need to know it. Fucking twenty eight years old. If you have sex without, hey, you're you're going, you're dead. Okay. So he gets the trash can from after lunch, and he gets ten dudes together. Me and my brother and, and eight other guys. He gives five dudes gloves, and he gives the other guys nothing. And he's like, "Now stick y'all hands in the no. trash can." And you know we're, we didn't know what was going on, so we stuck our hands there. He's like, "Now get in there real good and move your hand around." And I was like, "Ah, okay." And he's like, "Pull your hands out." All you brothers with gloves, pull it off. Y'all safe. All y'all brothers when wear gloves, look at your hand. Right? And I get what he was trying to get across, but the first thing that pops into my head was, did we just run a train? <laughs> Were we just, was this an orgy? Does this count? Why didn't you guys, t- I wasn't. <laughs> 
And I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask. But like they would like so we <laughs> I just no. didn't I just didn't, but I'm like, I I don't Is it that easy? I don't I know you missed the point, Chief. I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh my god. Hilarious. I don't think anyone ever had that conversation with us. Like even when we um had the topic of talking about male and female genitalia in school, like in mm-hmm. biology class. So typically, whenever we went through a chapter, teachers would have us read each student read a paragraph mm-hmm. in in a line. But when it came to that paragraph, our teacher was like, "I'll read the whole chapter," and she like skims through it and moves on. Oh, fantastic! Um, yeah, so like it, because it's, it's such a taboo subject, like you just don't talk about it, and. I know, like now, hearing your point about what the what the church had to say about it, I have my differences with it the church. So awesome. <laughs> it was so awesome. No, I, I, I just have my differences with it because I, at least at the time, um, and I, I was too young to understand this, but like as I grew, I, I learned more. Um, so my mom was a single mom for like the first couple of years mm-hmm. uh, I was growing up, and being a single mom, a single Anglo-Indian mom in South India. So it's a white lady living in India. More or less. Yeah. With a, with a kid was was hard, and I I give her so much props and all the credit in the world for sticking to it, um, and to my stepdad for being a father to me mm-hmm. like against all the odds, um, especially because like my biological dad apparently did not want me because I was a girl, not a boy. Mm-hmm. And just, just to see like that backward thinking is as recent as barely 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, it's shocking. But it also gives me so much of pride in my religion because because my family was Catholic, they were like, we don't abort. Yeah. Like, we're, we're going to have this child. We're going to raise it as our own. So just to, just the idea that I was a religion away from not existing yeah. is a very weird thought. Yeah. And um, I'm glad the world is changing the way it is mm-hmm. because uh, it's a strange place. And of course, there's like now there's the whole question, even America, of like pro-life and pro-choice. Again, these are, I, I, I am pro-choice Yeah. because... The decision was my mom's. Yeah. She was going to cure me for my nine months. She was she was going to go through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't support the idea of someone else telling me what to do with my body. Yeah, I'm kind of... It's... <laughs> it's super weird when you have a ruling like that, right? Yeah. And you see the... It's literally 12 white guys in a room, and they go, Ah, what should we do about this? Like, you wouldn't trust a fucking pilot <laughs> to be your chef, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, that's a... I don't think it's going to matter going forward. Have you seen... Did you... Okay. Uh, did you see the news today? There... No. There is uh, MIT. Mm-hmm. They created a psychotic AI. <gasps> I did see that. They just fed it, like, gore in the worst <laughs> parts of human Reddit. culture. And then they were like, so what do you think? And it's... And it was fucked up. They named it Norman. Norman Bates. <laughs> And they're like, so tell us what you think about the world, AI. Everything must burn and die. And I'm like, ugh. Makes sense. 
Huh? <laughs> Makes sense. No, it doesn't. Why? For if if you're fed that much negativity. But here's my point. Why? I was why thought, did they do it? Yes. Why would you do that? What would what would you what what were you seeking to learn? Prove a point, I guess. Prove a point. You should be fucking making terminators, bro. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like, this whole time. I, like that scared me more than the virus, right? Mm-hmm. So like, diseases are just something humans deal with, right? Like that's just since the dawn of time. Like at one point, like if you got leprosy, you were like you fucked, right? We just mm-hmm. didn't know what to do with the leprosy. Then we figured that out. Then it was then it was polio. If you got polio, you were fucked, right? But the pro- the thing about those where they just they popped up, they're diseases. We're making AI. I mean, we're also making viruses. Okay, we're making viruses. Uh, damn, saying the conspiracy real quick. But we're making we make, we make viruses that we hopefully aren't implementing on people. But AI is weird because I in my in my opinion it kind of seems like we're building our replacement to a degree, right? Right? Because mm-hmm. um, like there's always been this push amongst people to like be immortal, right? Like whether that is like literally immortal. Or, like, just paint a bunch of pictures of me and fix the hair kind of deal, right? <laughs> like, um, those busts you see of, like, Romans and stuff? Yeah. A lot of those, like, you know, they were like, hey, I lost this eye in a battle, but you can hook me up kind mm-hmm. of deal, right? <laughs> so there's this push to be immortal, and AI kind of seems like the way to go if we figure it out. Because there are a lot of guys who are like, well, what if I die and I can just upload my consciousness onto the drive, and then I can be around forever and yell at my grandchildren? Jeez. It's weird. <laughs> it, it's super weird. Um, I don't know. Like, and like going back to like when we were talking about um, so many things being man-made. Yeah. I have no idea that Lake Alatuna was man-made. Or that... Lake Lanier's man-made. I didn't know that either. And it's like... That's pretty cool. It, it's cool. Some guys came here and they said, Lake. <laughs> right here. I, I appreciate it because, like, I lived my whole life by the beach. Mm-hmm. And then to come inland uh, is exhausting. Yeah, it sucked. I grew up in I Kansas. Know. We didn't have... So we have a man-made lake in Kansas. It's terrible. Well, it's not terrible. It's weird. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, a wooded area with trees, but they didn't cut all the trees down. Right? <laughs> so they just filled it, and they're like, ah, it'll cover the trees. But it, it didn't. So now you just have crazy trees sticking out. It's, it's El Dorado Lake. And it's like, don't... just. You know, don't take the old boat over there. <laughs> but I totally get it, man. Living by the beach is a different way of living. It's it, su- People on the beach are super chill. It's so cathartic. Because really? for me, oh my gosh. Because like every time I had a bad day, a horrible breakup, or mm-hmm. whatever it was, whatever I was sad, I would just go to the beach. And somehow it just felt like the the air was so refreshing. This, the, the solitude was everything I ever needed to mm-hmm. like reset. And not being able to do that at as stressful a time as this mm-hmm. is hard. Yeah. I miss... So in Kansas, obviously, you don't have beaches. And if you want to get to one, it's a long way away. And my dad don't travel. You're not, <laughs> you're not convincing Jerry Pridget to get on a plane and fly to L.A. <laughs> it's not happening. Do you know why that is? Like, why certain people just don't want to see the world? I don't... You know, I have a... So my thing is... So my... My dad's side of the family, my grandfather was, like, an alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and my grandmother raised eight kids 
right? And they were extremely... So once my grandfather left, they were very tight. Like, my family to this day is super tight. I think there's only two of the kids that live... Two, or, two yeah, only two of them now live outside of literally Wichita. And from wow. where we stay, we basically stay around the corner from one another, right? So my grandma's big thing was she was a so my grandma really didn't want to be alone right so like my aunts were really like one of my aunts is super good at basketball super good she got scholarships my grandma's like no i want you to stay here and she wanted everyone to stay home and it, it and one end it's kind of selfish but on another the the, the benefits are amazing because like i always had a, a, a good a, a extreme support system right like i could like every sunday we'd be at my grandma's house and the family would be there and we did things as a family and family was a huge thing so, like, um, I think that's kind of where my dad gets it, right? Because even when we were going to college, he didn't want us to go. He didn't want us to leave. He wanted mm-hmm. us to stay. Um, and I, it was a big deal when my brother went. My dad was like, I just, just, and then when it got to me, it's like, son, just don't, no, no alligators, okay? Just, <laughs> <laughs> like, if that, like, for me, it was like, it's a miracle you're even here. Just don't, don't go crazy, right? But I think he, he, it was kind of like, like be there for the family kind of shit. Because even yeah. when we were kids, when my my aunts were single moms, right? My grandma was a single mom, right? And these are all incredibly strong women. Like one of my mom, one of my aunts is a principal, and she just can't turn it off, right? So whenever they needed to move, it was me and my brother and my dad in a truck moving oh them. Whenever they needed a grass cut, it was me and my brother and my dad in a truck moving, you know, whatever they needed, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of plays in it too because there was this sense that like we would lose the family. But then there's also a realization that, like, so when he married my mom, my mom's from New York and Trinidad. So he's like, oh, shit, he's, she's going to give him the world. He's, he's just like, look, I'm going to teach you all how to operate in it, and you do what you want. <laughs> but he's, he's just not, he's, he's one of, it's one of those things, right? My brother's kind of the same, because my dad's very straightforward. He's like, I like meat and potatoes. Take that sauerkraut, go fuck yourself. <laughs> my brother's the same way. I like meat and bread. Take the ketchup, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I feel like our our families in that sense have very similar backgrounds because like you said even my granddad was like a chain smoking alcoholic but my grandma raised her three kids Mm -hmm. pretty much by herself so they're all very tight-knit yeah and i feel like it's just like at at a point of time like that they only had each other yeah um but the other thing was the reason they've all like moved well not all but my one of my uncles lives here in georgia and my mom moved to Australia for a little while, but she came back. Mm-hmm. And it's just, they, my grandma wants to be alone. <laughs> she wants her space. She wants, like, she lives. That's so weird. Well, well, here's the other thing. Like, she she loves having her own home. And, like, she's lived there for, like, almost 40 years now. And she, she's used to it. She, she's never going to move. Yeah. Um, she loves it. Um, but my granddad was a pilot. So they're all used to traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. So she... She knew that it was important for her kids to get out and live their own lives and see the world. Mm-hmm. And that's why when it came to me, um, like I said, I'm the eldest grandchild in the entire family. The only other child that came after me came nine years later. Uh, no, what was it? Eight years later. And so I, I grew up the favorite still. Yeah. I think I am the favorite, I hope. Uh, <laughs> Don't start no shit at the reunion. Favorite, huh? <laughs> you think we would hear this? Oh, it, it comes up at every reunion. Because <laughs> uh, she literally calls me Rani, which is the Hindi word for queen. So, <laughs> so and, uh, <laughs> and and my uncle who's, who lives in Georgia is her youngest. Yeah. So she's 
he's her raja, which is king. Oh my so god. So every time any one of us visit, she she gets like a case of bottled water. We're only allowed to drink that, mm-hmm. and like we get all our food. Uh, she just like gets oh my god. <laughs> orders at home. So um, hilarious. It's it's super funny. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so she, even when I was leaving, mm-hmm. uh, given the circumstances that I kind of like grew up under, like at the time my granddad was still alive and he was still the alcoholic, he was, uh, my mom was a single mom. So mm-hmm. like being the only child in the family, I was kind of, as I was told, like a light in amongst all the darkness, mm-hmm. which is having this little thing to come home to, to like take care of. It's like how I feel about taking care of a puppy. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty much the same okay. <laughs> but um, to have me move out after two decades was hard yeah and like even until the day I left she was she was so torn and uh, but she was like I know this is important for you to like go out Does there she have gran- does she have any grandkids yeah she's got four oh, she's more fine. now she's fine yeah but like I'm her favorite like let's just stick with that narrative yeah, so you're, 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 you're her favorite, but you're an adult now. Yes, but to her, I will always be a child, just as dogs will always be puppies to me. So. I used to worry about my mom like that, right? Um, but then we, I used to worry about my mom, right? Because I was like, this can't be healthy, girl, just living in a house with dudes, mm-hmm. right? I remember like we'd wake up and we all made at the newspaper. It would be no words. It'd just be like, <laughs> <laughs> And my mom would just be like, no one says they love each other in this house. They're going to be killers. And we're just like, who the fuck broke mom? Right? <laughs> <laughs> but then she got, um, now we have, uh, she's got, we well, I got nieces. So she's got granddaughters. <sighs> that's what she's always wanted. She's got, that's the thing, like, that's why she doesn't like break, like, she doesn't like come at me like, when, are, when am I going to get kids? Like, you got a bunch. Yeah. Have fun. You got five of them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. She's living the, she's living the, she's living Wait, how many siblings do you have? I have two brothers and a sister. Okay, okay. Yes, yes. Um, and they all have children to their names, and I'm, I'm not ready to show them. I'm not, I'm not ready to, I'm ready for marriage, but I don't, kids, kids are a whole thing. I agree, I agree. Because they're, they're assholes. Oh, no, I don't agree with that. Yeah. I just, I just feel like my outlook on kids has changed a little bit since the last few years just because like i've gotten older i've seen the kind of like responsibilities it takes and i don't feel like i'm there yet like like you said like i'm ready for marriage i'm ready for a partnership um (laughs) i just i feel like kids is a whole other responsibility that i i need to be ready for both like financially and just (laughs) here's the thing Kids are the thing that everyone says they want to be ready for, but I don't think anyone ever is ready for them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was telling my aunt, she was like, Brandon, why, aren't you, why don't you want to have a kid? I'm like, it's simple, right? When a baby giraffe is born, he pops out and he goes, I can walk. I'm going to go over there and get some water. Anything I need to know, they're like, lion, stay away from him. Okay, cool. If he doesn't listen, <laughs> yeah. we'll just make another one. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, a human babies, they're, they're, they're born... Uh, and they don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck if you're tired. What your day was like, they look, look, I'm wet, I pooped, I'm hungry. Make it happen, chief. Yes. <laughs> and then you like, I, I seriously, I can deal with the whole baby and the cuteness part. He's like, oh, I'm raising you. And the first words is beautiful. Yeah. Teenage years is what I'm not ready for. I, 
exactly. I'm not ready for it. And I give my parents so much props for dealing with me now because I'm like, I, I get it now that like, you know, okay, this is not on the same level, but having having a dog, yeah. I, I worry. Like when she gets, when she runs out on the street, I'm terrified. She doesn't know what a car is. She's not, she's not aware of like what the dangers are mm-hmm. or she's, she's sick. Like she poops random stuff that yeah. I'm like checking her poop yeah and it, it scares me because i'm like i'm so invested in this animal i i can only imagine how invested i would be in my own offspring and i'm i'm so afraid of doing something wrong <laughs> i feel like i'm not ready here's another thing i'm i'm it, and also sorry not to cut you off yeah, but ahead. i'm like uh, trying to trying to raise a human being as a decent human being uh-huh. is a challenge in t- at least in today's world and like just just trying to understand how this living walking breathing thing is going to have a logical brain and empathetic one mm-hmm. that is sensitive to everybody around him is scary because like either i'm raising a psychopath or i'm raising a responsible human being and i don't know if if i have the experience or that yet. I don't, see, I, I don't think it's the, I think it comes down to experience mm-hmm. um, and I think it also comes down to because my thing was um, kids don't remember like big stuff like if you take them to Disney one year mm-hmm. you know they go oh I had fun but that's not what they're really there for right they remember all the day to day stuff right and one thing I always appreciated from my parents especially my dad um, like once I just started telling him the truth and he knew that like I would fuck up, but I just own up to it. There was like this level of like respect, and there was this openness and communication, which is a big thing in my family. Like, if you go to my family's house for like Sunday dinner, like now we're talking about like coke and like penises and like <laughs> just it's just in, there's nothing off off limits, and I think that's super cool and super good cool for us because, um, especially like I know like some people like. Some really, really conservative people, like, if you wore, like, spaghetti straps or a certain dress, you know, grandma wouldn't talk to you or whatever. And there's, like, this, there's, like, this shame that comes with being around your people. Like, your family is your people. Like, those Mm -hmm. are the ones you should be most open to talking to. Yeah. And when you kind of have, like, it's not like we just, like, we curse at each other and, like, are disrespectful. Like, we crack jokes, but there's this level of openness so we can communicate. So there's something you genuinely don't know and it might be embarrassing. Like, you can just say it. You'll get roasted, but then you can be open and honest about it. And I think... That would be the problem because if my kid came to me and asked me something, I would just tell him the answer and wouldn't consider <laughs> how old they were. <laughs> like I tell Mahalia this, there's no such thing as a grown man. Yeah. If you send me into a store with $1,000, right, and no directions, I'm coming out, something's going to piss you off. <laughs> the same thing applies to that kid. If we're in a store and he gives me a good reason why he needs a samurai sword, <laughs> I, I wanted one as a kid. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh man. No, I can I can see Michael doing that. I've I've had to drag him out of a Star Wars store before he like spent his entire check on it. So I, I, this is the problem. Like I have nieces and nephews now, so I like go to Walmart and I'll see like a nerf gun with like a thousand bullets and I'm like, you know what? My sister never thought I'd be twenty-eight. <laughs> yeah. Cause what she used to do. She would, like, kidnap us and, like, wrap us in blankets and then set us on top of a running washing machine what? at night. And she shut off the lights and just leave us in there. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
maybe you should be nice to your siblings. They're going to be your kids, aunts and uncles. Oh, my God, yes. You have well, to. Well, going back to, like, your point of open communication, um, that's definitely something I want to incorporate as a parent, as a family, because I've, I've, I've realized that I am completely honest with the people that I respect out of love mm-hmm. rather than respect out of fear. Yeah. And that's what I want for my kids like i want them to be able to tell me things especially in a world like this where drugs are so easily accessible i want them to be able to tell me like you know oh i'm gonna try this and i'd be like i would give them advice on whether or not to oh it's (laughs) it's super simple the drug talk is simple never do a drug someone's left to dick for you'd be all right (laughs) you never do a drug someone's left to dick for oh my god people suck dick for coke people suck dick for heroin no one's sucking dick for weed no one's sucking dick for LSD. <laughs> you've never, like, you've never seen that episode of Intervention. Like, oh, I got, I gotta get my fix of some marijuana. Rodney, come over. I'll make you happy, baby. You've never, you've never seen that. Um, but I think that's a, that's a pretty interesting way of handling it. And I also, what scares me most about having kids, especially now, is like we existed in a world before the internet, right? Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to know something, you like picked up the paper. And if you wanted to call, like, get in contact with someone, you just sent, like, a letter, an email, or a phone call on a corded phone, you know? Yeah. Like, now communication is instantaneous, and watching kids grow up in this internet age is weird, right? Like, when I, I understand when people take baby pictures, but I know, like, I, a couple of people who have, like, Instagrams for their kids. And I think it's kind of, it's, I don't know, I'm not saying it's bad or it's good, but that child is now on the internet without their permission or without them understanding what's going on. And as they grow up, their whole life is basically going to be on the internet that the psycho AI can now look at and determine if they're worthy or not. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's an interesting point because I remember talking to a producer um, who, so at the time I was producing my film about um, biracial kids. Mm. Um, He was telling me that his kid was biracial Mm -hmm. and, um, I asked if they would be on like a promo video talking about because it's, it's very real in these in especially in these changing times of migration yeah. and immigration and everything happening. Yeah. Um. But he gave me a very nice response and he was like, you know, I I appreciate what you're doing for the biracial community, but my child is not at an age where she can choose for herself. Yeah. And I appreciate that, and um, I'm totally fine with it. But I did see someone else who had a very nice idea of like taking pictures and videos and things like that, creating an email account for their kid and just sending it to that email. So when their kid was old enough, could access all of those memories. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm not it's sa- private. Because I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's, it's kind of weird, right? Because the internet is like this thing that you can never take anything off completely. Agreed. And I think, like, especially like how sketchy a lot of privacy things are yeah. on the internet. I don't know. Especially when we got the fucking murder <laughs> AI running yeah. around here, man. It's... Yeah, I thought the email thing was nice because it was private. No, it was just super. for the kid. Um, I definitely don't like the whole Instagram culture of like creating a baby account. And I've seen it more so with some celebrities. Yeah. <sighs> Stop monetizing your child. Like, that's not No, nice. fuck that. He, all he does is eat, sleep, and shit. So you got <laughs> to earn, son. You got to earn. <laughs> what's fascinating is that there is a market for it. There are people who want to see this child do exactly that. Yeah. And and 
I, I don't know. The, the, this, the population are strange. Because there's literally a market for any and everything. Oh, yeah. And, um. Yeah. Again, like, I may call it strange, but then to a cult, it's their livelihood, so. Yeah. I don't know. I've often told Mahalia that if this movie thing doesn't work out, I'm starting a cult. It's not, it's not that hard. No, it's not. That's the scary part. Here's my thing. I, so, if you were born into it, I have sympathy for you. But if someone came to you one day and told you they were Jesus and you believed them without at least taking them down to the YMCA, down to the pool <laughs> to see if they could at least, I'm not saying walk across the whole thing, but like, give me a couple steps, you know, like, you know. I mean, you saw Kanye's thing on water, so they had people walking across the water. Here's the, the thing, we know Kanye West is crazy as shit. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we know Kanye, that, that's actually kind of, that kind of pisses me off what they're doing with Kanye, right? Because everyone knows. The man's obviously having a mental breakdown, right? But we also live in an age of everyone wants to see the dumpster fire. So anytime, <laughs> no, but no, it's it's fucked up because anytime he does something crazy or says something crazy, it's frontline news and everyone talks about it. And mental health is already something that's stigmatized with black people. So now, when you like when you're depressed or you don't know who to talk to, you don't be like, oh, I don't want people to think I'm Kanye. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's I, I see it. I see what you're saying. I wonder if that's why the show is going off the air next year. Uh, what? Keeping up with the Kardashians. I didn't know that was still on TV. I didn't either, but I just uh, there were reports recently that it's going off the air next year. Okay, no one's gonna, no one, I don't think anyone's going to miss it. We might be a better country. There's a lot of people. The, I literally saw a lot of friends I had to unfriend saying... Don't unfriend them because they like the show. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have standards. <laughs> <laughs> Don't I need, to, them. I need to know that you are a logical human being. But some people, some people like. So I was talking to one friend, and I was like, "Why do you watch like trashy um, shows like this?" And they were like, "I watch it because there's so much negativity in the world, right?" So like, where some people watch like SVU or like Law and Order. And she's like, if I watch that, I just know it's based on real stuff. And it just makes, like, I don't know. I don't want my downtime to be focused on bad things happening. Mm -hmm. So when you watch, like, Keeping Up with the Kardashians, it's literally just nothing, right? It's frivolous. It's these people going around. It's, it's petty. It's very petty. But it's not serious, right? It's not meant to be taken seriously. And for some people, that's their that's their, uh, that's their, their jam. That's how, they, that's how they decompress. I guess. But, like, go watch The Office or Brooklyn Nine-Nine or something. This is just... Too much focus. <laughs> Too much, dude. Don't. No, you literally throw it on in the background. I just feel like I don't know. I tried reality TV. Mm -hmm. Um, it's for, first of all, it's not real. It's not um, at all. At all. None of it. Yeah. It's all faked. <laughs> Absolutely. Like I recently worked on a Lifetime show, um, uh, for reality TV, and it was sad. What what real people are being put through for a TV show? Yeah. And it's so bizarre seeing it from the other side. It's so bizarre. And like, I literally went up to one of the uh, participants and I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, cause, cause these are regular people who are not familiar with how the industry works. Yeah. Being put through the paces mm -hmm. of this in order to showcase their personal lives. Mm -hmm. the, the sucky part is it's their real lives, but on TV. So they have to do the same thing over and over again at all hours of the day and night. And um, I, I empathized with them. 
and they were like, I had no idea it was going to be like this. Like, I thought it looked so much more glamorous on TV. Yeah. And I was like, it always does. And that's why when it comes to shows like these and people are, like, so hooked on it and then there's, like, whole political debates on um, on whether or not, um, for example, like, Kanye should be should be giving over power power of attorney to like someone else like just do it yeah. just just do it because like i also feel like the constant media attention takes a huge toll on people and that's one reason i not saying that i'm i should be in front of the camera or anything but like that was one reason like i was i was very firm that i never would be because i was like i can't take that kind of yeah there's something there's something really weird to being famous and then to like wanting to be famous right Mm -hmm. so like when you're famous basically when you're when you're famous what you're essentially doing is you're surrendering your privacy nothing can be private for you anymore right um especially if you're like big famous like like tom cruise right like I, i was watching this documentary about michael jordan called the last dance and one episode was about like what it was like being you know, Michael Jordan at the height of Michael Jordan. And he was like, once I leave this hotel room, I go downstairs, crowd of people, questions, autographs. I have to be show like he has like his bodyguards like fucking pushing people out of the way, right? And he's like, then I go to my car, I drive to the stadium. I get to the stadium, crowds, people, sick kids, right? Locker room, questions, reporters, questions, right? Tape up, play the game, win. Reporters, 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 all the way back to the hotel room, right? And if I say anything off in between that time, it's frontline news and it's the next question, right? Yeah. That is a weird way. And then, like, especially, like, um, for women, right? What trips me up is, like, when a lot of girls get famous is um, they start enhancing things about themselves, mm-hmm. right? So they'll go, ooh, Nicki Minaj has a big, juicy butt. I want a big, juicy butt, too. Ooh, that girl's got big boobs. I want big <laughs> boobs. Oh, she got a nose job? Shit, I need a <laughs> nose job. Right? And then because of the prevalence of, so then because, then they set the standard, then every other girl goes, well, if I want to be da-da-da-da-da, I got to look like that, right? Yeah. And it's, it's so, that's what scares me about having a girl, because I would have no idea, Natasha, if I had a daughter, <laughs> and for some reason Mahalia wasn't there, <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> No, this is where your sister comes in. I, somebody, please. <laughs> I would have, I would have no idea what to do, man. Because I don't want to say girls are more emotional than boys, but like, I don't know how to put it. I feel like it depends on how you're raised. Well, it's not just that. Like with my nephews, like I'll pick him up and I'll like throw him into a bed and he'll be like, oh, fun. But like with girls, I'm like, oh, I don't know why. Maybe, maybe it's because like I'm like, I'm, like, I'm a dude. I'm just, I always want to handle them delicately, right? It's a stereotype of so many years but in the making. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I already don't know what to do with children, right? Mm-hmm. But I know for a fact, I've watched, I've seen all of my nephews run into walls, full speed. <laughs> all right. <we're> good, <laughs> right? Um, but then, like, so, with my, so, like, being an uncle to my nieces has been, like, a weird experience, right? Because I got to see everything from the other side. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember going to the mall. Oh, my God. I remember my niece uh, wanted to get a bikini. Right, and her and my mom were arguing, and I had just gotten off work. And I wake up and I go, "We'll go to the mall in an hour." And I, I get her in the car, and I'm like, "It's, it's, it's how how different could it be from buying swimming trunks, right?" So <laughs> I, no, but this is no, but I'm telling you, this is what's going through my mind. I'm like, "We'll go in there, she'll go to the blue one, and we'll be out." 
<laughs> right? Oh, that's cute. <laughs> so my niece is also Puerto Rican, so she's she's Puerto Rican, Jamaican, and Trinidadian. So she's like light skinned, right? Um, by the way, none of this is clicking with me until we get into the Victoria's Secret. Mm-hmm. I walk in and it's a wall <laughs> of like, and at that moment I'm like, right, it's only two pieces. It's the top and it's the, I need help. <laughs> I get on the phone. I call my cousin Janae. God damn it. I need, I don't know what's going on here. Fly, fly in. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I was at, and I didn't. I was, oh my god! I'm in the Victoria's Secret. So I'm looking around. I'm like, do I ask for help? Do they think I'm a weirdo. I feel weird. I feel so dirty. <laughs> I'm like, so do I go follow? Do I give her notes? I don't. Ah, give her notes. I didn't know what to do because, like, in my mind, I'm like, just go on to get the blue one. But she's like, what other styles do you have? And she goes, oh, what's your cup? I'm like, I don't even know that. Oh, what the fuck? I'm out. <laughs> It was super <laughs> uncomfortable. I remember my dad, every time we went shopping, would just pick a bench and sit on it for like two hours until we were done. I was not ready for that. I wasn't. Oh. Oh, and then the one she bought out. So then she's like looking, and I'm like, how about a nice burka? Those things are pretty good. <laughs> That's literally what my dad said to me the whole time growing up. He was like, I'll just get you a burka, you'll be fine. Facts. Got it covered. Head to toe. Stop it. <laughs> no. I wouldn't know that. I, I just, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I probably, I, can she live with you? <laughs> here's the thing. If she lives with you, at least I know she'll know how to negotiate. Because Lynn, <laughs> you, I don't know if you know it, but you are constant. You're the only, you're the they're the only person who will, like, look at paperwork and be like, I don't agree with this. Let me email them. And, like, <laughs> I'm imagining the person that's like, God damn it, we're in a negotiation again, aren't we? Fuck! Why, why aren't more people like that? And I've learned more recently so that I get hired on stuff because I do that. Because, because it's because Americans are used to going the number one and then nothing else changes on it. We're used to just having the cookie cutter thing and just being okay <laughs> with it. Apparently. No one reads. Here's the thing, too. You also read. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when, we were when we were doing the, that thing and like we were handing out the paper we're like hey read these things what did everyone do they just signed and said oh shit I'll just put, and and they'll do a confidence dot 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 just read that of course it did this one here says oh fucking I lost my eye my eye you know I got uh, I was in a fight the other day you know <laughs> no one reads that's the funniest thing I found because like I always I now I understand why so many people get screwed over yeah because you don't read and that is something. Um, fundamental I, too it's like the first thing they teach you in school it's like right after the alphabet <laughs> it's words then books <laughs> exactly and like growing up that was one thing I was always taught to do was read anything before you sign it mm-hmm. because uh, once you sign something it's your bond it's your word and there's no taking that back yeah um, which is why I'm so anal about paperwork yeah and I'm like because once you've agreed to it once you've signed to it this is what so it is so producing was just that was a given. That was what you were doing. <laughs> yeah. like, I'm not saying you couldn't do anything else, right? But that just... Oh, my God. You're so on top of it, right? Thank you. It, <laughs> it just it just clicked. Again, because I'm dealing with a lot of people who don't read. So it's easy to get people to sign off on things that I like, which may not... <laughs> which, oh, um, my God. Which may not work for them in the best way possible. 
Um, and that's not to say that I, you heard, I like. You heard it here, folks. Natasha's a shock. <laughs> yeah. either, either a shock or you a minnow, okay? No, no. I, I, I value my integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, I value making the des- best deal possible. Joss was shack. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. It's like some 80s term. Like, that's what dudes would do in the 80s. Like, those stock market guys, they do a bunch of blow. <laughs> All right, you're a shark, bro. You're going to go out there and kill it. So, like, sharks and minnows, dog. What do you want to be? <laughs> But it's kind of like um, a dominant, like apex predator kind of deal. Like you're okay. here to win, here to kick butt, take names, that kind of deal. That's the culture I grew up in. Yeah. So which was which was a little hard to come to terms with when I came here because of course the uh, the environment in the film industry is very inclusive. It's very um, it's very you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. We grow together kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works in India. Yeah. In India, it's every man for himself. Mm. And that's the mentality I grew up with. So coming in um, here after over 20 years of that was, that was the culture shock, I think, for me, was just this this environment of growth, mm-hmm. to, gr- growing together. Because I was, I... So I, you weren't used to being on a team. No, I was always used to being the person who did everything. Myself, <laughs> because I was the only one who could get it right. Oh my god! Oh my god! Jesus Christ! No, that's not to say. That's not. <laughs> but it's not oh to say everyone god. else fucked up, but nobody else would read the instructions. You sound like my. You sound like somebody's dad. You know what? I don't know I'm talking to you guys. I'll go out there because she shuts the door and he's talking to himself. <laughs> But here's the thing, again, <laughs> reading the instructions, nobody yeah. does it. Um, yeah, so, like, my first year or, like, my first couple of months um, was a little hard because in my head I was constantly competing. And With who? With everyone or yourself? Just everyone. Jesus Christ. Wait, um, but you got here? Yes. Yeah, Shaq. <laughs> So <laughs> it was hard, <laughs> but I've grown. I and I, I know for a fact that I'm a baby shark. <laughs> Shut up! I've grown as a person, mm-hmm. um, where I'm just more like this. This is not a competitive industry. It's an everybody grows together kind of industry. When you say competitive, are you talking like you would be like you know you'd be in class and someone would pitch a story, you'd be like ah oh, fuck that, I got something better kind of deal? Or... No, 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 no. It would be more so. I know a certain amount of information you don't, mm-hmm. and that's how it's gonna stay. Yeah, Shaq. But, but it's not sh- that way anymore. It's a Shaq move. It is. It is not that way That's anymore. It's a Shaq move. I, I'm. <laughs> I'm way. The great I'm, white <laughs> Natasha. She swims in North Pacific. <laughs> it's way different now, um, and I'm. I've I've just realized that. The more you share, mm-hmm. the the better it is, just yeah. for everybody, yeah. and. Um, I've, I've also grown to a point where I, I have my community mm-hmm. and I know who are the people I can trust and who are the people I want to see uh, mm-hmm. go forward, grow better. Are they also better. sharks? They are not sharks. They are very nice people. Sharks. I, sharks are, nice. are you going to call yourself a shark? Maybe. It's okay. pretty cool. If I was wanting to be a shark. Me and Michael had a very engaging conversation about sharks <laughs> yesterday. Oh, man. So... I just want to be an orca, but sure. That's a dolphin shark. Yeah, I know. I love it. Dude, first off, I like that you called it an orca and not a killer whale. I don't call them killer whales because no. that's not what it is. You They're are not. a murderous dolphin. 
<laughs> they are. That's what they are. They're big, murderous dolphins. But they don't eat people. Only seals. Dude, so I was uh, listening to this podcast, and it was this guy who swam around um, England. Mm-hmm. And he was like, once you get to the outside, the Atlantic, they have like a shitload of jellyfish. And um, to the northern part, they have orcas. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, they ever ate someone? They got, not yet. <laughs> nope. I don't nope. fuck with orcas. That is literally You know what's crazy? Uh, you're right. The only time they've ever killed someone is in captivity. And when they do it, it's the most suspect shit ever. So, like, they, it's having a bunch at SeaWorld, right? Mm-hmm. SeaWorld needs to shut down. That's, that's all I can say. It, so, orca, so, me and my friend have rules when it comes to intelligent animals. He doesn't trust raccoons because they have thumbs and, in theory, they can use a gun. It's <laughs> a good way to think. Well, I don't trust orcas or smart fish, right? So at SeaWorld, what they were noticing is that if an orca didn't like a certain trainer, right, it would remember that trainer. And if it ever got in the water by itself with the trainer, the one person died because the orca took them under the water and would not let, didn't bite them or anything, would not let them come up for air. You sneaky motherfucker. <laughs> they're, they're being humane about it. They're like, I'm not going to bite you in half. But it makes sense because those, they were drugging those things. They were like giving them like a orca fucking uh, antidepressants. And they were like, ugh, it's depressing. No. Mm-hmm. SeaWorld is the one that had uh, Shamu, right? I don't, I want to say yeah. I barely remember Shamu. I remember Shamu vitamins and they tasted like chia. <laughs> And they Wait, shacks. where is the SeaWorld that you're talking about? Um, so I think there's, there the one that I heard about that had the, they were using antidepressants was in Canada. Okay. And they're shutting that one down. What they're doing is they're kind of going to make, they're going to take those animals, because a lot of them are actually wild, and they're going to put, they've, they've um, sectioned off this part of the ocean with fences to get them used to swimming again, and then they're going to let them go. And they can go murder seals wherever they please. <laughs> Good luck with that. There's fewer seals now. But I think the one I saw was either in... I think it was in Singapore. Uh-huh. Uh, but they had a whale shark or called Shamu. Mm-hmm. And um, it, was a, it was a beautiful show. Again, like, so much of my interaction with animals was... With wild animals was at a time that I didn't understand what the impact was on them. Um, so... Like, I, I enjoyed the show, and I was like, oh, good whale, yay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can train anything. And then I realized, like you said, they were being drugged and mm-hmm. abused. And ever since, I've never supported um, those shows. And then in Thailand, they have the Tiger Kingdom. Yeah. And then they're drugging tigers. And then many years after I visited, um, I found out that uh, during a raid, they had found, like, tiger cubs frozen in fridges. Um See, that's, um, that was the claim made against, uh, have you seen Tiger King, right? Yes. You seen the whole thing? Not all of it, no. So, when, when you watch it, when you finally watch the whole thing, you realize that everyone in this story is a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Everyone is. Mm-hmm. So, there was one guy, oh god, I don't want to spoil it. No, we need to talk about this. <laughs> so, there's one guy, um, he's a ponytail dude, and... Is it the old guy? Yeah, the okay. dude. He's he has a he. Well, he started a straight up cult. That's what I'm saying. When a when a middle aged guy, this is what this is how you know it's going off the rails. When a middle aged white guy grows out a ponytail and adopts a vaguely ethnic name, <laughs> he's like, I'm no longer John. I'm the Bagwan. I'm like, well, for, well, um, you're mm. the you're the who, huh? <laughs> yeah. 
and then buys an elephant, that guy's starting a cult. Watch him. I hate that they used Indian culture for their own purposes. That's the thing. Because <laughs> Bhagwan in, Indi- in, in Hindi means God. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. As soon as they start taking like a... That's what made me... That was what like initially didn't... I didn't want to do yoga because I thought it would turn to a cult because you'd have like... <laughs> A super white girl. She's like, now we're gonna we're gonna go into Skandasana, and I'm like, are you making that up? Did you? You're making that up. That's not really a word. Can I get someone? And I'm just I'm, in a, I'm the only black. I'm a big bald black man in a room full of just beautiful white women, and I'm like, she's make no one else. No, yeah. All right, I'll calm down. Then I don't want to. Just watch yourself. <laughs> but he, what he was doing right. So they to get into one of these tiger farms. It was like. 450 bucks for the day so it's not cheap but they would have what they called like uh pet time so basically they come out and you get your own tiger and you're like holy shit i get to pet a tiger um but what they found out or the allegation is that once they become too big for the playtime, they say that's just a bill and they were killing these tigers now the thing about it is they're federally protected so it's a they're an endangered species um, and they was like the oh my god they were just killing like a shitload of tigers they were just they were literally breeding tigers just to be petted and then once they got to this age where they couldn't be they were killing them and the really fucked up part about the whole situation is there are more tigers in captivity in America than there are in the wild so in a weird in a really fucked up way these guys are keeping the tiger species alive right. And you can buy one for $2,000, and then Mahalia talked me out of it. That's the only cat that could be in my house. I If there's going to be a cat in my house, it has to be big enough to kill me. There has to be respect there. Just show, don't show any fear around it. <laughs> I, I'm so conflicted. Um, it's weird. It's, it is weird. Like, on one one hand, I obviously, like, everybody believes I... I because of whatever I know today, I believe that they do better in the wild. Yeah. But now there's so much of deforestation and urbanization happening. Would they really be? And I'm, I'm only taking my opinion yeah. based on what's happening in India. Mm-hmm. Um, now there's like tigers encroaching into villages. It's, so it's a very like Mowgli situation. Um, they're like getting into villages and like eating people and sheep and cows um, which honestly we could do with Europe. It was just funny. The cows? Yeah, they're, they're all they're all they're everywhere. Um, <laughs> uh, but but here's the other thing: we're like encroaching their space. Yeah. And this quarantine has brought out so much of that in that um, animals are getting more comfortable with coming back out of the out of the trees and the forests because they've seen fewer human human interaction. Yeah. And. Um, they still over there? Oh no, they good. Let's go over there. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're getting their space back. Yeah. It's like having someone come into your house and being like, "Oh, we own it now." Yeah. See ya. Yeah, I don't. It's weird because a lot of these tigers that are born in captivity don't know any better, right? So they really don't have anywhere to put. It's it's a really delicate situation. That is true. Yeah, I would feel bad. That's the thing. I would feel super bad if the tigers went out on my watch. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not going to go where tigers live, right? Like, I don't believe in shark attacks. I don't think there's ever been a shark attack, ever, in the history of sharks. Never. A shark attack is like we're here right now having a podcast, and he kicks in the door and takes off the shark. <laughs> no, 
That's Shark Tag. Kicks in the door, he bites off my leg, he kicks in, but then drinks off the Kool-Aid. That's Shark Tag, right? Uh, if I'm swimming in the Atlantic and he takes a piece of me, I was trespassing. <laughs> that is, that, that, that I agree with, absolutely. Right, but like you said, you're, you're moving into these these places where their their natural habitat is. Is it true that there's a spot in India where they active like tigers actively hunt people? Um, any village that's near a forest, yes. Fuck that. <laughs> well, um, this is one thing I will appreciate about India is that they have natural reserves set up. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of. I believe, um, I don't know if this man was like American or English, but it's called the Jim Corbett National Park, Mm -hmm. and it's dedicated to preserving tigers. It is an entire forest where tigers are allowed to roam free Mm -hmm. and hunt as they please, and visitors are in these uh, caged buses that drive around, and they're they're built to be eco-friendly, and if a tiger is in your path, you're waiting for a couple hours until he decides he wants to move because they respect the space of the tigers. Now, I've been to one of these, and it is one of the most um, terrifying yet majestic experiences because I got to see tigers up close and personal in in their own space okay. um, and even watch them like hunt a deer. Did but, you see him jack the deer? No, like they ran into the forest. Uh, so I didn't get to see how it finished, and I'm glad I didn't. Um, but, but it was good to see them flexing their natural instincts without the fear of being hunted, if that makes sense. I will never go there. It's beautiful. I don't give a fuck. You will... <laughs> I look, I've seen Jurassic Park. <laughs> I, I, ha- I like nature at a distance, right? I'm not, I'm not Steve Irwin. I'm not going like, to... I'm not out there, Crocky, mate, she's a beauty. Let me grab her by the neck. You see the teeth there? Yeah. No, no. Right? I <laughs> I, re- I have a healthy respect for nature. Um, but yeah, I don't bang with that shit. I don't, no. You know, I'm not, I'm lying. If someone offered me a tiger, I'd take it. I don't know. Because I'm like, I've, I've, the only thing I'm afraid of are bears and mountain lions because those are pretty much the only things in America that like can murder murder you, right? What if you were to raise them as cubs? You know what's crazy? Um, if an animal dies on set, right, the whole production gets shut down. Yes. And you guys are getting fined and a bunch of stuff. Yes. You know there are show bears that have killed multiple people that are still allowed to work? Are you talking about like in circuses? No, like show business bears that work on movies and television have killed people and oh. they still allow that bear to work. It's not the bear's fault. It like why why are you making a wild animal do domestic shit? Like that's on you. <laughs> so, so I I feel like especially in a day and age where CGI is so much better, leave them alone. He just wants to be brother bear, find a fish, feed his family. I don't think you need to be bringing Brother it Bear. Oh, I love that movie so much. It's 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 beautiful. We're done here. <laughs> I I just I just don't think that wild animals should be trained for domestic. Purposes. I think it's a funny thing of saying like, oh, I have this tiger trained. Are you sure? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because I mean, at the end of the day. Mammals like these are exactly like humans, unpredictable. There's no trained human. Like humans at the end of the day are... Husbands. Can, can flip on you if, if they Did get... Did you feed them? Do, do you know what I mean? 
No, <laughs> that's that's certain people. No, that's but that's real. Um, there was this guy. Uh, he was doing an Under Armour commercial with a wolf, mm-hmm. and the wolf is basically a dog until you feed it. Mm-hmm. And they're like, once we feed this thing, we're gonna leave it alone for about an hour or two, because then the, he's just I'm like, what the fuck are you looking at? Mm-hmm. Right. Sense. Then there was this one guy. He figured out how to trick a what do you call a group of wolves? A pack of wolves into thinking he was the alpha. All he would do is he would walk up to them and eat a liver in front of them. Because apparently the alpha eats the liver because it has all the nutrition, nutrients, and then he'd follow them and document them, right? And he would do this for, he'd do this like uh, once a year. Until eventually he came back and they were like, wait a minute, this motherfucker's not a wolf at all. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is what I mean when I say like, even with my kids, I want to teach them to respect me out of love, not fear. Mm-hmm. Because fear can can go away at some point of time. But respect out of love is something that's ingrained in you as a person. It's where like your moral values come oh, from. Oh, you're way better than me. The second my 14-year-old <laughs> tells me he knows everything, I'm dropping him off in the woods with a pack of matches <laughs> and a stick. And I'm not going back up there to get him. No. I'm not, I swear. Dad, you don't know anything. You're absolutely right. I just went and got two degrees. You fucking live in my house. I re- you know what? Absolutely right. Here's some matches. Here's a knife. Go figure it out. Go go, go handle it, Jim Bowie. <laughs> you know Mahalia would like just follow you. Your mama can home. go get you. Your mama can go get you. She can figure it out. I'll write down the coordinates. Now, good luck having her figure that out. <laughs> she will throw something at you for making her do the match. Worth it. Worth it. <laughs> absolutely worth it <laughs> oh my god so another part of like just this overall like covid time is just a mass amount of uncertainty right like especially in the film industry. like it's one thing to be uncertain in the film industry um but there's also like on your end like the immigration stuff right like, yeah i was about to say i was like i'm an immigrant there's like, uncertainty bro, part of my so life. there's like <laughs> this is a very very like tumultuous time for you like there's yes. There's not a lot of guarantees, right? And there, there, there are gigs out there, but it's nothing to where, like, okay, I feel safe for the next, like, three or four years, right? How are you coping with that? I feel like everybody in the industry has that situation because, like, our work is so unstable that it's all gig-based. Yeah. It's, it's, there's never a, I'm going to be working at this for the next five years yeah, it's not a nine to five it's not like oh i work at grip tech 901 <laughs> I mean, unless you're working at like a rental house but uh but even then like even then like yeah covid shut that down yeah. too but for most people it's like oh this didn't work out i'll go move back with my mom in wilmington delaware mm-hmm. right for you it's like oh i have to go back to india yes right um yes it was it was a very stressful time even just in this, these last few months with everything that's happening with the government Mm-hmm. Because there was a week where I was very nervous that I was going to have to pack up and leave because um, Trump was like, all international students need to go back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, fuck me. Because <laughs> I just paid this country like um, half a million dollars for its piece of paper. And now I got to go. Yeah. That's uh, all America really wants is your money. <laughs> oh, I'm aware of that. Uh, again. It's a negotiation. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. That's the reality show. When you eventually go and get, apply for your green card of citizenship, I just want I just want a camera there 
Yes, in section B two alpha, it says here if I say anything that degrades the country, what? De- how do you define degrade? <laughs> Let me just get my supervisor. She's back. <laughs> just give her what she wants. tactics are basically my buy more time tactics um unless people don't want to deal with that then i just get what i want but you're shocked <laughs> that's something a shock would say that's exactly what a shock would say seal can i eat you no she's gonna do it anyway <laughs> it's a shock <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah so that, that period of time was very stressful because i was like is it worth applying for jobs when i can't get any mm-hmm the flip side of that was that the jobs I was applying for started specifically stating, don't apply if you have a visa restriction. Yes. Fuck. Yes. So it, w- it was, I, c- I can't even find the word for it, but it was so depressing because it was like, I paid this much to be here, to learn what I know, mm-hmm. to build the contacts and the network that I have only to be told it's confusing to deal with your paperwork. We don't want to see you. Bye. Yeah, no one reads here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what that is. <laughs> that, Gotta that. read? Nah, nah. Fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and even now, going forward into the future, every plan that I'm making, every deal that I'm working out with people is, this is what I can do for you in the next seven months. This mm-hmm. is what I can do for you in the next six months. Because honestly, beyond this, I don't know. My 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 plan, my status extends to April fifth, twenty twenty one. April sixth, I could well be on a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a somber thought. Yeah. It's it's painful to think about. And again, very much like my thoughts of home is something I block out until a point of time where I am in a place to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Because again, nobody knows what's gonna happen. November 3rd. Yeah. November 7th, I will be on the phone with my lawyer saying, what can I do? Because as each president comes and goes, the rules change. And according to that, I have paperwork to do. And what bothers me most is that even if I were to apply to stay, it's a lottery system. So the U.S. government is asking me to pay close to $8,000 to pick my name out of a hat, maybe. What? Yes. How many? What, is it like a certain amount of names they pick? Uh, yes. So I believe out of like the million that they get. Million. At least. Fuck. Because this is, these are also people coming in from from other countries abroad. Okay. Uh, everyone applying for like an H one B or an O one, whatever it is. Because have I've just done my masters in an American university. I'm in a more um, elite group. Okay. But still, they're gonna pick ten thousand people out of like eighty thousand. And Fuck. it's it's like playing what's that game? Russian roulette. No, worse. It's the one where like you know you put all the balls in a in a in a glass bubble and it blows the balls everywhere and then you pick one out. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. It's a here's eight thousand dollars, please pick my name out of a hat, if you please. Oh my god. And I after all the investment I've made, I don't feel like that's worth it. Like mm-hmm. I could take that eight grand and invest in moving to another country yeah um 
Yeah, so that's where I'm at. It's just, stop trying to bleed me dry. <laughs> I think... Uh, so one of the things I think goes into building like a quality person is like adversity. Mm-hmm. I think adversity is like the most important thing in your life because it's it sucks right Mm -hmm. and there are challenges that you yourself you know have to choose right so you can choose whether you want to go to school whether you want to get married what kind of car you want to get that i got there are decisions you make and then there are um just things outside of it you have no control over right and i have a saying um that failure is not an option it's an inevitability right uh, you are going to fail at something, probably terribly, right? Um, but that ultimately doesn't define who you are. Yeah. It's how you respond to those failures, right? And I think that's kind of what's made you um, who you are today, right? So you've been around the world. You've experienced things that, like, a lot of other people haven't. Um, you understand, like, what sacrifice is. Like, most the one thing that blew that blew me like I didn't realize like my my I didn't realize like how I was being raised different until I got older right so like my mom was this like small light skinned West Indian lady who would like smack us but was also very quick with it so she'd smack you and you'd look up like was that you was that the whole, it was weird right um, and as a kid you're wondering like what all these rules are for but then you grow up and you see like the the kids whose parents weren't as strict or didn't impose certain things you're like oh that's why. Oh my god, I 100% agree with that. Like, for all... Because I got belted as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're worried about, like, tossing your niece, who's a girl, on a bed? I got straight up belted by my mom because she was like, well, if you die, I'll just make another one. Oh my and god. Then... <laughs> Wait, did your mom aim or was it just like, you're running and she's and she's getting you? No, I, I stood in one place. Oh, man. Yeah. My mom was a, either you can run or you can take it. Either way, you're getting this ass whooping. And my dad was like, <laughs> I ain't chasing shit. <laughs> and the thing about my dad was my dad only had, my dad never had to, speak, well, he did have to. But that was like the, that dude, when your dad goes, who needs the ass whooping? You know what? I'm going to sit down and study tax law. <laughs> Just anything not to wake up the beast, right? My mom was funny in that she would whack the ever-living crap out of me. But God forbid anyone else laid a hand on me. They faced... They didn't make you. I'm, this is what you parents are, I'm beating you with love. I love you. <laughs> no, anyone else ever raised their hand on me, she brought mm-hmm. the wrath of God upon them. So it was very exciting to watch because I was like, it's not directed at me, so that's cool. That's what made church so confusing because when Sister Mary would catch the Holy Spirit and run, I'm like, if I sneeze too loud, I'm getting beat with my own belt. Well, so who's spanking her? Right? Is that just, is you just become an adult? Does she not have home fronting? Sheree, answers. I don't get it. <laughs> it was all good till someone had a heart attack. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Beyond Customs. When's that, when's that going to be in festivals? Is it in festivals yet? It is. It's already in festivals. Um, it's, yeah, it's doing its festival run throughout this year and into the next. Okay. It's um, going to Sundance, Savannah Film Festival, and... A bunch of Indian film festivals because <laughs> has to. Um, where did that story come from? Was it something that was on your heart? So that actually came up because my my uncle is Indian. Mm-hmm. His wife is Caucasian. She is from Cleveland, Ohio, and their daughter is uh, biracial. Mm-hmm. 
And I just thought it was so fascinating because every time I visited them, it was interesting to see how she was being simultaneously raised in two cultures. Mm-hmm. Like she was being disciplined as as a as an American child, and that she was she's I don't think she's ever been beaten. Uh, but she is um, she's put in timeouts, and she's explained to why. I never got an explanation. I gotta shut up and sit there. That was the worst. You wanted an explanation. <laughs> Why is this happening? Well, you got quite no, no. Are you questioning me? Are you talking back to me? Yeah, but um, it was super <laughs> fascinating. Um, but when it came to her like uh, culinary tastes, it mm-hmm. was she loves Indian food, mm. and she has she has a better tolerance to spice than most white children I know. Uh, which which is really cool because so now now she, her tastes are so diverse. She does well in India as well as abroad. Has she been? Yes, she's she's been to India like I think three times now. Mm. Um, and I I just it was the first time I was seeing a blend of cultures in a way I hadn't before. And what, at the time that I was writing my thesis, it was more so profound to me because I am dating a white guy, mm-hmm. and it was it was just fascinating for me to introduce him to my culture and my food and hilarious to see him turn pink and i was like what if, <laughs> what if i introduce that oh my god i've killed him <laughs> i don't no, i always had a box i had a box of, <laughs> uh, <laughs> i had a box of yogurt on the ready oh <laughs> did <laughs> well, did he try to be nice and just like oh this is good well he's oh it's michael he's so nice he he was turning red, but in, insisted that he loved it. I caught him choking on it and drinking water oh. a lot. So I just quietly put the box of yogurt on the table and walked away. <laughs> he's very thoughtful. He's definitely gotten a lot better now. Now he's able to take the spice. What are you trying? Like <laughs> oh, yes. Because, no kidding. When I started making the dishes, I would make them as my grandmother taught me, mm-hmm. um, with chilies and stuff. But when I realized what I was dealing with, I would put in half a chili, and then each week increase it. I've noticed this is how girlfriends talk. <laughs> this is how girlfriends and wives talk about their husbands. They, they get together and they talk about how, the new trick they've taught them. Oh, this week I got him to wear corduroy. <laughs> How'd you do that? Tootsie Pops. <laughs> if I give him Tootsie Pops, he'll wear them. <laughs> Cause dudes, just, I'm telling you, dudes are just giant dogs. They just need to be trained. Like when you when you look at a husband, this guy's been married for 35 years. He's just trained. He's just like, well, I sit here. Your mother, she's gonna do that, and I'm gonna be a good boy. <laughs> you see it every Black Friday. It looks like it looks like those animal commercials that the Sarah McLaughlin song comes on. Just a bunch of husbands sitting on the side. Of, there's no more chairs, so they're just literally sitting on the rails with this look of "Please take me home." And in the back of your head, you hear "In the eyes of an angel." Just fifteen cents a day can make sure Gary can go to Hooters while his wife shops for things they don't need, like candles. Oh, cell phones. Stop. This we're, no, we're, your phone's dead. Don't, don't give me reason. No, they, do cell phones smell as good? No. Oh, but, oh my god. <laughs> um, 
but yeah so that's where that's where the idea for it came from mm -hmm. and i just kind of wanted to explore the idea of what if the one um native ethnic member in the family was no longer around especially because again like going back to my my immigration situation mm -hmm. um there have been times where i've thought of like you know god forbid in the future we get together we have a family and i get deported because that's a, that's something that's happening today it's fucking real it's it's real <sighs> what is what what is my biracial child gonna do like, are they just not going to be able to grow up in that culture anymore? You come back, he's not reading, they're eating a bunch of Slim Jim. <laughs> hit. That's the thing. Um, I think it's interesting, right? So, like, obviously losing a parent is devastating enough, right? But when you lose a parent of such, a, like, so a distinct culture, right? Yeah. Um, it's almost like you're losing a half of yourself. That's... Because the thing about... We were talking, I was talking to Eric about this yesterday. What we consider to be American is essentially like this agreed upon standard of living and then like the parts of the culture you come from, the parts that America deems problematic, you get rid of that so you can amalgamate, right? So um, a lot of people, accents, oh, lose the accent, you're fine, right? Um, oh, you guys keep chickens in your backyard for ceremonies? We gotta cut that out, right? Mm -hmm. So it's basically about nixing the parts of your culture that are problematic when the culture, like when American culture isn't tr interested in understanding it, right? That's why we would love to kick out all the Mexicans, but we are not giving back quesadillas. Yes, or avocados. <laughs> we are not giving back quesadillas or avocados. We will work out a way, but every all illegals get the fuck out of here, right? Yeah. Um, and like, I'm tying it back to what I said early on. Like when I first moved here, the thing that I missed the most was my food, because it was. Oh my god, that's remember when I said like there was a week I couldn't taste food. Yeah. Do you, oh do my you god. See, do you see where I'm coming back to? It's no, it's... <laughs> I don't. I remember I asked you because I was like, can you taste? He's like, yes. I almost killed myself last week. I'm like, damn, for why? I couldn't taste anything. It was just moosh. I wasn't even eating. What's the point of living? I may as well have eaten cardboard. <laughs> oh my I... god. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I was. It was so bad. Like I had visions of myself eating cardboard and staring out a window because. In the What's eyes the of the angel for 15 cents a day. That's the Natasha taste buds. Because um, food was such a big part of my my identity, my culture. Mm -hmm. And when I first moved here, not having access to that um, took a huge toll on me. Um, and then when I, when I was writing my script, I, I realized that even with the biracial side of my family food was such a big deal mm -hmm. because that's the way we connect we identify we relate and it's it's home so when my uncle was introducing my little cousin to pieces of home it was it was more than he could give her uh being that she was she wasn't there in yeah. person um and that's what i wanted to explore through the film was what if the person who could provide you a slice of a different part of the world wasn't there to do that anymore mm. because i feel and like you said not a lot of americans have the opportunity to experience the world which is why they have such narrow points of view yeah and i feel like if the economy was better and people had the opportunity to see what's on the other side of the world they would understand that the world is so much bigger than them that the world has so much more to offer 
I don't think it's necessarily like an economic. On some degree, it is an economical thing, but I also think it's like this. Americans have this idea that America's great, and there's no, there's why would I leave? Everything's so awesome here, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why would I go to Sweden when I have, you know, New York? Like, that's my dad's thing. He's like, I don't see the point of going. I ha- there's there's places in America I haven't seen. And I'm like, Jerry, you won't. You're not gonna go look at them. It's my goal in life. This is my absolute goal. I want a reality show with my mom and dad because my mom would be super down. <laughs> and my dad is just this old black man who's like, ah, damn it. <laughs> and I want to send them around the world. The first place I want to sing was like Singapore, like Vietnam, because my oh mom my would just be down with everything. And my because the rules would be my dad cannot stay in the hotel room and he can only have one American meal a day. No. No, <laughs> you can't do that to your What's dad. What's he gonna do? He's in Singapore. Are you gonna get on a plane? <laughs> you think he's gonna get on a plane? I don't see that happening. Also, you can't know where we're going. Oh no! Well, listen. After he's been in a plane for over four hours, he's gonna know. What is he gonna do? Make him land? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, if he's if he's anything like you, I feel like that's a possibility. Here's the thing. My dad, he has, he'll be a gentleman, right? He'll be nice to everybody, but as soon as the door shut, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> It's still moving, <laughs> and then it'll come a breaking point, and it'll be in the middle of the day, and it'll most likely be when he's on top of an elephant, oh. and he'll be like, "Get me down! I don't want to do this." I that was one of the most fascinating things because my aunt's uh, parents visited India for the first time, and I think that was their first time out of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but they visited India, and they were just so fascinated and thrilled. By everything, it was so nice to my see. My dad would hate all of it. <laughs> I, I want this. That, that's what I always thought. I was like, you know, they're gonna hate it. It's it's loud. It's smelly. It's noisy. Mm-hmm. But they loved it, and they embraced the culture, and they like they were they were like one hundred percent into it, and it just made me really happy. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder if it would be the same if I took like Michael and his family there. Um, I know his mom would be like super into all the new stuff. Also, because she loves tea. Yeah. So I, oh, that's just, oh, that's her that. jam then. Like, yes. What do you need? <laughs> that's one thing, like, both of us, like, vibed on instantly. Yeah. Was tea. Um, I feel like his dad would be a little more. Uh, oh, that's neat. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Because, again, like, when, when you hear about India, all you think, your first thought is, oh, third world country. Disgusting. Um, but. The truth is, like, where I grew up, it's, it's one of the four big metropolitan cities. It's mm-hmm. gorgeous. Obviously, it's it's basically New York. It's, mm-hmm. uh, not, I'm not talking about, like, the billboards and stuff. I'm talking, it's still dirty, yeah. but it's beautiful. It's got a vibe. It's clean. It's busy. Yeah. It's, it's my home. And, yes, there are parts of India that are the slums. Oh, there, like, yeah, sketchy parts like everywhere. That. There, there is, but, I mean, Atlanta itself has them. Yeah. Um... I think what most people would have as a culture shock when they come to India is the noise. Black people beep for uh, beep in 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 happiness. Like we're not angry. We just go beep beep just because it's like it's the norm. Like literally, uh, trucks will have like a little uh, sign on the back that says "Sound horn, please." Which is like, we don't know you're there, so go ahead and beep. Yeah. We'll thank you for it. Yeah. And the first thing I noticed when I landed here for the very first time was how quiet it was. And it was so eerie, because I was like, why is nobody beeping? Where are the cows? <laughs> this is, this is, what are these lines in the middle of the road? Do you have yeah. to stick between them? 
What? Those aren't suggestions. That's a law. <laughs> Traffic lights? You can't just, like, go past? What? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's one reason I still don't drive. Is because Why? I'm not ready for the rules. Uh, just... Dude, you get a tank. Do you know? That's an investment. I'm not there not yet. That, I'm not still trying much. to pay rent. It's not that much. <laughs> um, yeah, that and the food. And I feel like my my introductory gateway to anybody coming to India is the food, just because it's food's the food's life. <laughs> food's always the easiest thing to share because you just go if you can find the ingredients, you make it right. Mm-hmm. It's easier than getting everyone on a plane. Um, I prefer getting everyone on a plane because I'm an asshole, so I would just love that, man. I would just love to get everyone on a plane. Like, all right, let's figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that like that's that's honestly like what I would want to do too because like a lot of ingredients, even like when I cook it here, it's not the same. It's not. Uh, I just yeah, I just prefer it also because I'm cooking it. I'd rather someone else who knows what they're doing <laughs> cook it. <laughs> know my limitations and I'm not stepping past. I do. I'm a producer, not a chef. Oh my god. I know what I'm doing with paperwork and nego- numbers. <laughs> oh, spices? Jesus I'll figure it out, Christ. but we'll be great. Oh, we've been here almost two and a half hours. What? Yeah. Oh no, okay, we can't miss the draft. Yeah, we have a, we have a fantasy draft. <laughs> uh, how can people find you? If you want them to find you? Do sure. You, do you believe in the social medias? Oh, absolutely. It's where I do my best negotiation. But anyway, um, <laughs> my, oh my, my Instagram is at Tasha2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook is just Natasha Sequeira. And then I'm on LinkedIn. Same name. I've um, never had anyone shout out LinkedIn on the podcast. <laughs> That's such an adult move. I'm also on LinkedIn. Well, telling someone your LinkedIn is like... I'm an adult, are you? <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn is some of the places I've actually found work. Oh, yeah. Just because, like, um, so many producers who are on, like, the corporate end of things mm-hmm. are on LinkedIn to yeah. connect with other people. So, but there's really not a lot of film people who are on there. Oh, my God. The film people are the worst. It'll be like LinkedIn, camera guy, three years experience. <laughs> no details filled in. No <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, no, I'm more... Like increasingly more so, I've gone to networking events where people are like, "What's your Instagram?" and I'm like, "Holla at me." <laughs> what now? Here's the thing: you probably have a business card in your hand, ready to hand it. And you're like Instagram, I'm gonna pocket this. Exactly, exactly. I have a rule: I don't give a business card out to anyone under 25. I don't know how old they are. It's, it's hard to tell because, like, I mean, I, I I ballpark it. People younger than me. I'm running studios, so I don't know. Here's the thing: when you talk to him, you gotta drop in a reference. Like I'll drop in, like I'll drop in like a Thundercats or like a an old SpongeBob reference. And if they get it, I'm like, okay, okay. Here's my business card. See, that's where a problem would arise because I'm not familiar with SpongeBob as much. So like I, I maybe know three references. Uh, one of them being when SpongeBob took a driving class with with the other sponge-looking lady. Yeah. But I don't know enough about it. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> Or you walk up, say, oh, man, the 90s, crazy, right? <laughs> and if they go, I was born in, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, this podcast is an open door policy. Whenever you want to come back and talk about nonsense again, <laughs> we can. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, though. Thank you for having me. This was fun. <laughs> <laughs> we dug up a lot of things I didn't think I'd be talking about. Oh, my God. I...
you got to hustle, man. You got in this life, you got to hustle, man. Any, any, anything worth having in this life, anything that you want, any goal that you have, you have to hustle and chase it, man. And you have to surround yourself with people who are of that same mentality, which is why I love uh, that Natasha is my friend and that I've worked with her so much. Because let me tell you, man, this girl is a hustler. She is a hustler. She's a she's a shock, is what she is. But she's a hustling shock, which is scary because, you know, it's, shock's already scary. But now he's hustling, so now he's gonna bite your ass and sell you insurance. <laughs> no, man. But she's she's definitely super cool, very very hardworking. And I hope, man, I hope somebody do us solid, do us all a favor, keep give her a job so she can stay in America. America needs her. Oh man, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I enjoy doing these, and I enjoy doing them for you. Guess what? We got an Instagram now. Oh yeah. Uh, you can find the Art of the Conversation on Instagram at Art of the Convo. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram if you like it. If you want to do that, I don't know. Uh, at Joel the Wise. Other than that, man, go live your life. Love as many people as you can. Spread positivity as much as you can. And you know what? Call your mom. You've been sitting there for two weeks. You've been meaning to do it. You've been putting it off. Call your mom. Call your mom. If your mom called you, you send her a voicemail for shame on you. Shame on you. Right? Enjoy these times. Because one day, and a day you don't know when, you're going to wish you could talk to your mom and you won't be able to. Peace. for a word from our sponsors let me ask you something are you someone who's looking into making a podcast but you have no idea where to start start with anchor let me explain anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast first off it's free they have creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast from your phone or computer anchor will even distribute your podcast so it can be heard on spotify apple and many many other platforms you can also make money with your podcast without having any minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.